Okay, good evening and welcome to the January 10th, 2024 meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. President Rick Swig will be the presiding officer tonight and he's joined by Vice President Jose Lopez, Commissioner Alex Lemberg, Commissioner John Trezvina, and Commissioner J.R. Epler. Also present is Deputy City Attorney Jen Huber who will provide the board with any needed legal advice. At the controls is the board's legal assistant, Alec Longway, and I'm Julie Rosenberg, the board's executive director. We will also be joined by representatives from the city departments that will be presenting before, before the board this evening. Up front, we have Corey Teague, the zoning administrator, representing the planning department, and Matthew Green, deputy director of inspection services for the Department of Building Inspection. The board meeting guidelines are as follows. The board requests that you turn off or silence all phones and other electronic devices so they will not disturb the proceedings. No eating or drinking in the hearing room. The rules of presentation are as follows. Appellants, permit holders, and department respondents each are given seven minutes to present their case and three minutes for a rebuttal. People affiliated with these parties must include their comments within these seven or three minute periods. For cases that have been previously heard, the parties are given three minutes each with no rebuttal. Members of the public who are not affiliated with the parties have up to three minutes each to address the board and no rebuttal. Mr. Longway, our legal assistant, will give you a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Four votes are required to grant an appeal or to modify a permit or determination. If you have questions about requesting a rehearing, the board rules or hearing schedules, please email board staff at boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, public access and participation are of paramount importance to the board. SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming this hearing live, and we will have the ability to receive public comment for each item on today's agenda. SFGov TV is also providing closed captioning for this meeting. To watch the hearing on TV, go to SFGov TV cable channel 78. Please note that it will be rebroadcast on Fridays at 4 p.m. on channel 26. A link to the live stream is found on the homepage of our website at sfgov.org forward slash BOA. Now, public comment can be provided in three ways. One, in person. Two, via Zoom. Go to our website and click on the hearings link and then the Zoom link. Or three, by telephone. Call 1-669-900-6833 and enter webinar ID 845-9995-2903. And again, SFGov TV is broadcasting and streaming the phone number and access instructions across the bottom of the screen if you're watching the live stream or broadcast. Now, to block your phone number when calling in, first dial star 67, then the phone number. Listen for the public comment portion for your item to be called and dial star 9, which is the equivalent of raising your hand so that we know you want to speak. You will be brought into the hearing when it is your turn. You may have to dial star 6 to unmute yourself. You will have two to three minutes, depending on the length of the agenda and the volume of speakers. Our legal assistant will provide you with a verbal warning 30 seconds before your time is up. Please note that there is a delay between the live proceedings and what is broadcast and live streamed on TV and the internet. Therefore, it's very important that people calling in reduce or turn off the volume on their TVs or computers, otherwise there is interference with the meeting. If any of the participants or attendees on Zoom need a disability accommodation or technical assistance, you can make a request in the chat function to Alec Longway, the board's legal assistant, or send an email to boardofappeals at sfgov.org. Now, the chat function cannot be used to provide public comment or opinions. Please note that we will take public comment first from those members of the public who are physically present in the hearing room. Now we will swear in or affirm all those who intend to testify. Please note that any member of the public may speak without taking an oath pursuant to their rights under the Sunshine Ordinance. If you intend to testify at any of tonight's proceedings and wish to have the board give your testimony evidentiary weight, raise your right hand and say I do after being sworn in or affirmed. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? 
Okay. okay, thank you. If you are a participant and you're not speaking, please put your Zoom speaker on mute. So um, item number one is general public comment. This is an opportunity for anyone who'd like to speak on a matter within the board's jurisdiction, but that is not on tonight's calendar. Is there anyone here for general public comment? Mr. Bruno, please approach. You have three minutes. You all had a nice New Year's, and thank you again for um, listening to the answer to the question asked by Commissioner Epler about 15 Nobles Alley slashback 472 Union, where continual work has been done without permits. At the, uh, on the December 13th hearing, the last hearing here by the Commission, uh, Commissioner Epler asked, well, do we know or not? Were, was work done without permit or outside the scope of permit? On the first day this hearing was, uh, this commission ever heard about this project and this addressed being done, uh, work there being done without permit, uh, a notice of violation existed issued by the city on 825. And it still is good. And it says right here on this notice of violation, can you show this up on the screen, please, Alex? Thank you, yeah. Um, it says right there that um, active contractor needs to amend the permit because um, work is exceeding described in the scope. Work is exceeding described in the scope. I don't know how else to say it. I didn't write this. Uh, Michael Allen did. And I apologize if he is uh, an official who has since been found to be incompetent or corrupt. He hasn't been. He's been here for 10 years. I apologize for Mr. Green that unlike the person he had come and look at my um, apartment, he hasn't, Mr. Allen hasn't been here for 28 years. Mr. Green then was asked by this commission to come to the building and look at the situation. How did he get there? In a car paid for by the taxpayers of San Francisco. How did he take photographs of the violation in my apartment on a camera with, paid for by the taxpayers? And when I came here on December 13th, I asked for the photographs taken by Mr. Green in my apartment on December 10th, two days before the hearing, because you all wanted to do it on the 13th. I was interviewing somebody uh, the next day or that day, and so it was difficult, but we did it on the 10th. And Mr. Green's excuse was, well, Mr. Bruno was ornery or acrimonious. So what? What if I was the most ornery person in San Francisco, the oldest and grouchiest, the smelliest? Does that mean the code of San Francisco, the building code, doesn't apply to that tenant? I would think not. And I don't believe I am any of those things, by the way. I was very polite when they came up my stairs and I had to move all these dishes. These dishes, I'm sorry, you can't see it all. But you'll see it's cast iron pottery and dishes for Mr. Green to take three photographs, which you still have not seen. Since the hearing on December 13th, I've asked twice from the building department, where are the photographs? They just disappeared. I guess it's like the building department has become something like the CIA. Why can't I see the things? I didn't hear what you did. What's going on? Somebody spoke. I apologize. Please your put time. your microphone on mute. Okay. Can you go back a few seconds or something? Whatever you, sure. go whatever ahead. you think is fair. Sorry about that. So uh, the end of this is that this is the object that comes through the wall of my apartment from the exterior of the building that is not allowed to be there without a permit to go through somebody's wall, like we all live in places. None of us would like it if someday somebody just started drilling through our wall without notice or a permit. And this object is what Mr. Green took three photographs of and never presented to this board. So I think it's quite unfair that the board never considered this matter on the 13th when the city itself examined this violation and never presented it. 
Thank you for your time. Okay, thank you. Is there any other general public comment in the hearing room? I don't, any general public comment on Zoom? I don't see any, so we'll move on to item number two, Commissioner Comments and Questions. Commissioners, any uh, comments, questions, thoughts? No, welcome back, Happy New Year, let's have a good one. Thank you. Okay, is there any public comment on that item? I don't see any, so we'll move on to item number three, which is the adoption of the minutes. Commissioners, before you for discussion and possible adoption are the minutes of the December 13th, 2023 meeting. Commissioners, any comments on those? Or do I have a motion to uh, accept those minutes? Motion to adopt. Thank you. Okay. Um, we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to adopt the minutes. Is there any public comment on that motion? Please raise your hand. I don't see any hands raised. So on that motion, Commissioner Trisvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. That motion carries five to zero and the minutes are adopted. We are now moving on to item number four. This is appeal number 23-047, Tom Metz versus the Zoning Administrators, subject property 51 Prosper Street, appealing the issuance on September 25th, 2023 to Tom Metz of a reasonable modification decision. The proposal... Can you mute? I muted, I'm sorry. The proposal is to merge two dwelling units, units two and five of the subject property by constructing an internal staircase connecting the units and removing the kitchen in unit five. The kitchen in unit five would be converted to a bedroom. The zoning administrator allowed for the construction of an interior staircase connecting units two and five, but did not authorize the merger of the units or the removal of the kitchen. Uh, further, the reasonable modification was valid only for the period that there was a qualifying disabled occupant. This is case number 2022-011-807. Note, on December 13, 2023, upon motion by Commissioner Lemberg, the board voted 4-0-1, to zero to one, Commissioner Trisvenia absent, to continue this item to January 10, 2024, so that the zoning administrator can work with the appellant on modifying the reasonable modification decision to allow for the merger of the two units. The motion was made based on the board's intent to grant the appeal to allow for the merger. And as a preliminary matter, Commissioner Trisvina, did you have an opportunity to watch the video and review the materials for the hearing which took place on December 13th? I watched it live, does that count? Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we will hear first from the appellant. Mr. Metz uh, is attending via Zoom. Welcome, you have three minutes. Oh, thank you. I actually didn't realize I was going to have any three minutes today. If you just want to say for the record that you agree with the revised decision that was submitted. I, I do. I would like to make one small correction, which I've been making for over 12 months now. It's We're discussing the kitchen in apartment two, not apartment five. But otherwise, yes, uh, I, I, the revision is exactly what... I'm sorry, uh, what was the correction? Uh, we should be discussing the kitchen in apartment two. No, that's uh, true. We, we, it was updated on the revised version that was submitted. So the correct. Okay, yeah, and, and the updated version that was sent out is correct. Yeah. Okay, I, great. I thought I heard someone say five. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Yes, so uh, we, and yes? thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Mr. Teague? All right. Happy New Year, Commissioners. Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator. Just also to confirm, we went through a few different drafts with comments from uh, from Ms. Rosenberg and the um, applicant to make sure we call every little thing. And I believe the letter that's in front of you 
um, is factually accurate and also captures the spirit of the conversation and the motion from this body at the last hearing. I'm available for any questions you may have, though. Okay, thank you. Um, do, does DBI want to weigh in? Nothing from DBI? Okay, uh, is there any public comment on this item? Please raise your hand. I don't see any public comments, so commissioners, this matter is submitted. I think that <clears throat> uh, what was requested has been um, provided, and so unless <clears throat> anybody has anything to the contrary, would somebody make a motion on the, the subject, please? I have a comment, but uh, I can defer until there is a motion. Um, um, so the motion is to accept the recommendation of uh, did I'm sorry, Commissioner Trisvenia wanted to make a comment, I believe. Is that what you said? I, I can wait for the uh, motion. Okay, so the motion would be likely, assuming uh, you agree <laughs> with this, to grant the appeal on the condition that the revised reasonable modification decision submitted by the parties is adopted. And I'm assuming that uh, the motion would be made on the basis that the revised decision allows for the merger of the units, which meets the special needs of the applicant, and uh, two, it meets the criteria outlined in Planning Code Section 305.1 F2. That sounds good to me. Thank you. Commissioner Trezvenia? Yeah. I'll make that motion. Uh, thank you. I, I just want to be quick, because I, I wasn't here, uh, but I did watch the, 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 the proceedings. I just want to really express my appreciation to, to my colleagues for the tremendous regard uh, given to uh, the disability provisions of the Fair Housing Act. In a past life, I was Assistant Secretary for Fair Housing, uh, enforced those provisions of the Fair Housing Act uh, nationally, and also worked on various regulations. And I, there was, a, it, the, the, the Fair Housing Act, the disability provisions, really depend upon a spirit of working with the individuals involved. We have principles such as visitabil habitability, visitability, and I, I really appreciate the work that has been done by everyone to really bring those in, into, into, into the embodiment of the current uh, agreement. Uh, I think it, a lot of these reasonable modifications depend on being reasonable. Uh, and they depend upon the parties working together. So I really appreciate everybody's efforts to, to make that possible. Uh, and I particularly appreciate Commissioner Lemberg's expertise uh, on how it's done in the real world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So who was making that motion? Commissioner? You, okay, I heard a voice over there. Okay, so uh, on, I'm not going to reread it for the record. Everyone knows what it is. So um, this is President Swig's motion on that motion, Vice President Lopez. Aye. Commissioner Trisvenia? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero, and um, the decision is adopted. And if the parties just on the record want to waive their right to a rehearing, we can send the decision out tomorrow. Mr. Metz, since you agree with this decision. I, I do agree. That would be lovely. Thank you, everyone. Okay, okay thank you. And the zoning administrator? Okay, so we'll send that decision out tomorrow. Thank you.
Okay, so we are now moving on to item number five. This is appeal number 23-046, Anil Kavi Purapu versus the Department of Building Inspection, subject property 1331 to 1333 Church Street, appealing the issuance on September 19, 2023 to Ken Chin of an alteration permit, repair the damaged framing in kind in the fire egress stairs in the light well, structural repair only, no change in size, new guardrail, less than 50% repair. This is permit number 2023-0629-1194, note on November 15, 2023, upon motion by President Swig, the board voted five to zero to continue this item to January 10th, 2024, so that one, the board can get an opinion from DBI on whether two permits are required to repair the staircase, one permit from each property, and two, the parties can work together on resolving their issues. So, um, since we did um, ask for DBI's opinion, President Swig, did you want them to address the board first? Did yes, it make please. Sense? Okay, thank you. Uh, good evening, President Swig, Vice President Lopez, Commissioners, uh, Matthew Green representing the Department of Building Inspection. Um, uh, the day following the hearing, or maybe a day or two after the hearing, I emailed uh, Thomas Fessler, who is the uh, secretary of the uh, Code Advisory Committee, asking for a code interpretation on this matter. Um, as you recall, there was some, uh, the board didn't quite agree with my interpretation, so I agreed to have a further interpretation. Um, I might have been under misapprehension of what the Code Advisory Committee's role is. They actually review new code uh, interpretations rather before they're adopted. So I asked, um, I would just say I'm not, I'm, a little dissatisfied with the response that our, um, our our technical service division gave it. The email was to you, and I spoke to uh, this. If if you're unsatisfied with that um, decision, I, I'd be willing. Or I've already talked to the chief building official, and they'll write an official code interpretation. Um, I'm sorry for any confusion this may have caused. Um, the interpretation you got from uh, Senior Inspector Fessler. Um, I want to say it agrees with my interpretation that two permits were, were not um, not required. But um, as, as I say, I'm a little dissatisfied with the process and how you got the response. And if you're not satisfied, I could get a new official interpretation from the chief building official by the, I want to say the next hearing, but probably the two hearings from now would be best. But if it's necessary for next hearing, I can get it. <laughs> available for any questions you may have. I mean, uh, <clears throat> uh, we, I certainly respect whatever process you went through, as, as I always do. The, <clears throat> the uh, you know, the, the, concerns, the concern still remains uh, how the, there was a, an adamant, adamant, adamant position on, uh, on an item several months ago where uh, uh, there was a fire escape that was attached to, you know, to two buildings, and the adamant position was that well, as long as it's attached to both buildings, then, you know, you got to issue two permits. By the way, but on, on by the way on that one, I thought that that position, I, I I didn't agree with that position put forth by DBI, but that was what we were 
dealt with, and I, I would have suggested a different ruling, quite frankly, um, <clears throat> but that's what we were dealt with, and that's what we went with. Now, several months later, you, you have something which is attached to another building, and the finding is, even with the review, that um, uh, that, that all you got to have is one permit, which I'm perfectly fine with, um, but I'm sure somebody that would be the appellant is not so fine with that. Um, I, 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 know, I, we, I think it's reasonable. I, I, I support what you're, you know, what you've come up with because that's what we asked for. But uh, I, I have to bring forth m sure. my confusion, and I'll go with whatever the I, my I, fellow I, commissioners go with. Yes. Go ahead. I would just say I agree. We had the same discussion on the November hearing. That's why I asked. I agreed to. I offered to get an alternate decision. So, yeah, I understand you disagree with. with I think, I, think I, I still say that those are two different situations. I could ask, just for your comfort, I could ask for the chief building official to interpret it, uh, both those cases. Let's see what the other commissioners feel like, and uh, starting with the commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, Mr. Green, and I appreciate the effort you've put into this uh, from November through present um, and probably before that too. Um, my issues less with the with the the procedure that happened, and I I, I think I'm, I'm just hoping for some clarification from Mr. Fessler's emails from January, just because I, I the the January 8th email seems to state that there that unequivocally that there's only one building permit required, but the January 5th email says the plans actually don't reflect that and that the the uh, plans are not code compliant. So I'm just hoping you can give us some kind of clarity as to which of those is correct because those are directly conflicting in my eyes. Well, so the, the plans as, as drawn are not compliant, right? They do show the handrails being fastened to the neighbor's property. And you can't, you can't do that. that that's illegal, right? So right. I was going to recommend that there be a special conditions permit changing that, that condition uh, for those handrails to make sure they're clear. Okay, so and, and that's the, that's DBI's recommendation for what we do because ultimately, you know, I'm I'm not going to trust my own uh, re plan plan reading uh, for the, to uh, come to the outcome of this. Um, so okay, so so it it I, it's you know it show, it shows the pictures show the existing handrails attached right. to the neighbor's property, right? And it, I think I believe the plans say replace them in kind. Oh, okay. So it's not that it specifically shows it attached. It just says we're just doing it, you know, basically redoing it as is. Um, I'll, I'll relook at the plans just to confirm, but that's my understanding, and I can mention in rebuttal. Okay. So more accurately, Mr. Fessler's email should have said that only one, per, one building permit would be required if the uh, plans were code compliant. Yes. Okay. All right. That's, that's my question. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> thank you. No, I, I do um, kind of echo the, uh, thank you for the clarification on the existing plans, because that is a, a question that I had. Um, with respect to an interpretation of the code provision for when two permits are necessary, um, I think there may be two components of this that I'd ask you to think to look at. One is the one that you have engaged in diligently, even though the results aren't you know, clear and of general application necessarily, which I think is something that we're looking for is some sort of, of guidebook for how this works, and I don't think we got that. Um, once we understand how the Department of Building Inspection interprets the code 
code or thinks that it is most productive to interpret the code, there may be the opportunity to seek legislation to have the code actually reflect that because I, I think everyone remembers from the last hearing, I, I kind of take the code at exactly as it says and it, it, it one could, I think, reasonably interpret that to, to apply in this situation. And if there's a compelling rule or reason why DPW would not have applied in this situation, then, you know, if it can articulate that in such a way, then perhaps it's an opportunity to have the code then reflect that so that everyone is clear and there's no confusion in the future. Agreed. Does that make sense? Agreed, yes. There's the question. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Trezina? Well, I, I, too, would like everyone to be clear, but also... Uh, would not want to see this delayed uh, any, any further. Mr. Chin has talked about his family needs for this, and um, anytime there's a, there's a disposition between among neighbors, if we can get it resolved, we should get it resolved. Given that there's some ambiguity in the emails or in, in your, as you expressed it, um, concern over your prior prior interpretation. Is this anything the, that uh, the city attorney's office can be of help in opining as to what's the correct interpretation, or is that left better with the client? I mean, I think that Mr. Green has, microphone is not on. Given that Mr. Green has offered to provide a code interpretation by DBI, my inclination would be to, to have them provide that rather than the city attorney. Well, I, I, I think this is this is a matter that's going to be uh, happening elsewhere. It happened last year in the other uh, in the other instance. It's happening now, and if we can get some clarity, uh, I, I would join my colleagues in, in in asking that. Okay, thank you. No more questions. Now, then we will hear. From, does the planning department want to weigh in? No. Okay, so then we will now hear from the appellants. Thank you. You have three minutes. You want the overhead, please? We are standing here today because Mr. Chin yet again refused to talk with us. Overhead, overhead please. <clears throat> yet again refused to talk with us, ignoring the board's call to work together. After the last hearing, we reached out to Mr. Chin and made him yet another fourth settlement offer, in which we even offered to pay 50% for repainting Mr. Chin's wall in addition to committing to paying over $40,000 to repair damages to our wall caused by Mr. Chen's illegal staircase and his neglect. This email is the only response we got. How can we converge if he doesn't even want to talk to us? Mr. Chen represents to this board that we block his repairs. This is a blatant lie. In fact, we have delayed repairs on our side of the building for several months waiting for a response from Mr. Chen. As an example, Mr. Chen did not communicate with us for three months over summer. Yet on June 29th, he filed for this permit we are appealing. Despite over 50 emails exchanged, four settlement offers we made, Mr. Chin remains unyielding. Our pleas for understanding and cooperation have been met with dismissal. Do not deny Mr. Chin the right to fix his staircase. We most certainly want this illegal structure, which caused dry rot damage to our wall, gone from our property. However, as any property owner would, we do need to make sure our wall does not suffer further damages when Mr. Chin's staircase is removed. After Mr. Chin removes his staircase, there'll be large holes left in our wall, and structural damage may be uncovered, which further impairs our wall's integrity and safety of our families. 
Mr. Chin controls the access to the light well and is denying us entry for the necessary repairs. He threatened us with financial penalties, told us that our contractor would expose him to theft, and showed more consideration for dust on his Teslas and Porsches than it's for his neighbors. The removal of this staircase needs to be coordinated between Mr. Chin and the owners of our building. This view is supported by the building code 106.8.1, which calls for two permits, one for each property to which this structure is attached. The Code Advisory Committee was supposed to issue an official interpretation on this section. The minutes of the single committee meeting that took place after our hearing and before Mr. Fessler's emails do not document Mr. Fessler's stance. We are requesting those records under the Sunshine Ordinance. If the board upholds this permit, what is there to prevent anybody here or anybody in the city at large taking a nail gun to the neighbor's wall? Yet, the DBI will be glad to issue a permit for the removal of the nails. We have lost for a reason. Mr. Chin is not above the law. This permit violates several other building codes. Any single one of those should be ground for denial. Two handlebars are attached to our property only, only to our property, yet this cover permit covers their replacement. Lastly, we would like to draw the board's attention to the fact that the staircase in question is a secondary means of egress. It is not required for single family homes. As Mr. Chin's plans attached with the permit show, Mr. Chin has illegally merged the two units into a single unit, thereby creating the secondary egress. We respectfully request that the board grant the appeal and rescind the permit. Thank you. Thank you, that's time. Okay, you can be seated, thank you. So we will now hear from the permit holder. Mr. Chin is attending via Zoom. Welcome, you have three minutes. Yes, uh, so let's uh, address the uh, first issue, which is the uh, um, the merger of the two units. Uh, that was never our intent. We have two fully functioning apartments. Uh, we were not aware of uh, the fact that this is a violation. Uh, it's unclear, actually it's eight, nine years ago when uh, we moved in and uh, we're, we our recollection of how that opening exists uh, is not, we can't say state either way. What I can say is that it's not intent to merge the units and I will work with enforcement to uh, address any violations and to correct them. Uh, the second thing is that um, Anil uh, contacted us right before my wife was leaving for Taiwan to um, deal with her elderly dad's health issues. And uh, we just didn't have time. I'm also working on uh, applying for a new, a new school for my son uh, in the special needs program. Uh, so uh, the first point to pull out on that email is, again, they make a demand for $8,000. Um, uh, and up until point this point, the only claim basis for the claims is the opinion of a contractor that is bidding for his project. Uh, third, our intention is to work with our client, uh, our neighbor, and to get both properties in proper order. We can discuss damages, but they have to provide some basis to, to base on why we should be responsible for paying for siding. Uh, we just want to do the right thing. We want their property fixed, we want our property fixed. And then the most important point is to, we want to address the first landing uh, where it endangers my son who's autistic. So our intent all along is to figure out some solution that solves all of these issues. Uh, we will not repair our stairs completely. We will not make the changes until our neighbor is ready to make their repairs. It doesn't make sense for us to do it separately. They've been using the first landing as a way to extort money from us uh, to force us to accept their terms. So um, 
uh, I want to do the right thing. I'm, I want the board and DBI to tell us to do exactly whatever it is that we need to do. I want to address the safety issue that currently endangers my son. That's the most important thing to me. Uh, and uh, in terms of uh, penalties or uh, the issue is not that. As you can tell, we've gotten got many difficulties in dealing with the meal. And uh, the demands have varied. Every email has had different sets of demands. And uh, we don't think we're converging. So I was not able to work with him in December. Now, I continue to want to work with him to focus on how we work on the logistics of getting our properties in shape. It's a very complicated problem. There's lots of things that are attached to each other. There's boards that actually block with a connect. The thank buildings. you, that's time. Okay, thank you. We do have a question from Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, Mr. Chen. I'm trying to formulate what my question is here, but I, what the appellant, what your neighbor showed us was an email from December 1st saying, uh, basically reaching out to you, or are you responding to them and saying that you basically weren't available uh, for the next six weeks? Um, and you also characterized what they've, what your neighbors have said previously as um, demands, but I read, I, I'm just going to tell you my opinion on that. My opinion is that they, those were offers, not demands. And so my question for you is what what offers or counter offers have you made in this process to try to get this toward resolution? We disagree that our um, stairs, that, that they are the cause of the current dry rot on their, on their wall. We disagree. We also disagree. And, and the, the, we, we have an inspection from a dry rot expert that actually says it's likely that all the rot on their stairs, I mean, on their siding is, originates from uh, uh, before the purchase of the property. Now we're willing, we, we've offered and we're still waiting. I would, hope, I would like for our appellant to go ahead and hire an expert in to give us some justification for what they're demanding. That's, that's a, we. Re respectfully, Mr. Chin, you're not answering my question at all. And my question was, what offers have you made to your neighbors to help try to bring this toward resolution? We have offered, we have said that despite the fact that we did not agree with his, as, uh, uh, you know, his uh, claims of us causing damage during our ownership, um, I, have said we are open to paying for a portion of this of the siding, but we have not made it send them out. We we want to understand some rationale to base that on. It's not a it's not it what on what basis can we do and all along we've had various demands and various threats of uh us not being able to work on our stairs and and so that's a that's where we're at. I mean, that's, that's, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. I'm, I'm going to try one difficult. more time. Um, is, have you get offered your neighbors a specific dollar amount as to what you would be willing to pay toward repairs for their property? Has at the that very beginning, So at the very beginning, when we were still discussing not separating the stairs from their wall, and when the when the initial repair was at eight thousand dollars, we offered pay one half of the of the cost of replacing the boards 
to which the stairs are attached. And just is there a date for that offer? Was was there? A date? Uh, I it was very early, sometime beginning. I have the email, but sometime early in last, early last year. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shrisvina. Uh, can you describe what the nature of your communication has been uh, with your neighbors since November fifteenth, when we continued this matter? Uh, in order for you, the parties to work together in resolving the issues? Is this question directed to me? Uh, yes, it's to Mr. Yes, Ken. I would say it's been very frustrating because uh, I did not want to go on. Our, the appellant has done this in his briefing, but I did not want to list all my grievances against his emails. But it has been a long list of demands, various and complications. Okay, but that wasn't my question, though. My question was, what have you, can you describe your communication to your neighbor since November 15th? I have worked in, I have worked in good faith. I, I have tried to address the issues and also counteroffer the various elements of our discussion. So is it fair to say you've made written offers yes, since, Nove since November 15th? Yes, yes. And is that by email? Yes. Okay. And okay, any, I'm sorry. Please, and, in the any audience. other and any other Not way to commu you've communicated with them by phone, in person. We called on the phone a few times, but not. Uh, but we didn't really communicate uh, in in any details or discussions. And I was just talking to my wife today. I think I I I believe we've been wasting we've wasted eight months or ten months this year. And well, I'm only, I'm actually only concerned about the time between November fifteenth and today because. You're, you have a dispute with your neighbor. It involves city policies and permits. But it was come before us, and, and our expectation was to go to see some action between November 15th and, and, and today. So my question is, um, are you, do you feel you have something that your neighbor needs to respond to, or are they waiting for you? Like, how is this going to – what's the end game here? Okay. The answer to your first question is, we have not communicated last, as of November, with the exception of the email and the exchange, that, that we were not available. The second answer to your question is, we believe that what this process is not working for us. They have not made progress. Uh, the, although we believe that the dispute is primary about the economic number, the what we were going to propose to our neighbors is that all of us sit together and have a discussion. And, and just to make sure that all the owners, there are three owners on their side, I want them to understand what it actually be. I hope that they understand what's been happening. The current process does not make sense. We're wasting all these efforts on all of these little things that we're chasing here. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the point. We should be focusing on, on fixing our issues. But I, I mean, not to not to say anything negative of the word, or I believe in the process, but what I'm saying is that we've we made a simple matter of getting a wall and a stairs fixed into a very complicated matter. Okay, I, I want to give you every opportunity, but it appears to me, and please correct me if I have the wrong impression, that your answer just now totally contradicts your first answer to me. So, has there been communication? of any kind of offer by you 
since November 15th? No. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Is there any public comment for this item? Please approach the microphone. Thank you. Welcome, you have three minutes. Um, hello, um, my name is Justina Robel, and um, my partner Chad, our seven-year-old daughter, and I live at 1325 Church Street in the same building as Monica Anil and their son. And I am here because I wanted to um, make a few comments. Uh, first, Ken should have known about illegal, illegality of his stairs from the start because he could see that the stairs are attached to our building. And it should have been in disclosures when he purchased the house. Um, we didn't find out that the stairs were attached to our wall and caused significant damage until he reached out to us in February 2023. Ken had eight and a half years to reach out to us to arrive at mutually agreeable solution regarding his illegal staircase. Yet he waited till extensive dry rot developed on his staircase and some of it spread to our wall. Um, when Ken reached out to us for the first time, his proposition was to actually keep stairs illegally attached. Uh, when, we questioned why, when we questioned why the stairs were attached to our wall, he did not get back to us uh, with a response until August 2023. Um, Ken's proposal um, seemed very one-sided to us and did not address many of our concerns. Uh, we were still in the middle of negotiating a mutually acceptable agreement when we found out that um, he filed for the building permit and intended to begin construction work with or without an agreement with us. This is why we filed um, our current appeal, um, to prevent Ken from unilaterally pushing for forward with construction that can potentially be harmful to our building without addressing any of our concerns. Um, we don't want to prevent Ken from having legal and functioning stairs. We are asking for the board to enforce the requirement for two permits for work over the property lines so both properties can undergo necessary repairs within the same time frame. Our goal is to make sure our wall is repaired. We want our families to live in a well-maintained house too. If the board allows Ken to move forward without two permits and without allowing us to repair our wall at the same time, um, we would be significantly harmed. Um, we would be forced to incur unreasonable expenses to try to repair the wall without access to, the, to it from the outside or initiate costly, stressful, and time-consuming litigation to try to gain access to our wall. We respectfully request that the board require Ken to obtain two permits before commencing construction that crosses our property line. We deserve to, we all deserve to live in healthy and functioning houses. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Is there any other public comment for this item? Anyone on Zoom, public comment? Okay, seeing none, commissioners, this matter is submitted. Ms. Um, uh, Green, I need some help. So let me try to unpack this because we've, I think we, we're, we're going into civil court as opposed to Board of Appeals court. Uh, um, if, if your point, so the, 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 where our jurisdiction lies is whether uh, a, a permit will be, one permit will be issued 
to handle the work which is uh, envisioned by the permit, the, the permit holder. And that would be to redo his staircase and as part of that, uh, uh, disattach it from, or unattach it, I don't know the proper English, unattach it from the building next door and, uh, and, and do with his stairs what is uh, code compliant. That's, and that could happen if we followed the direction that you gave us today in the review that we had today. Okay. Is that, is that correct? Correct. All right. Correct, yes. Now, the other side, and, and with that, <clears throat> um, I see that the, the next door neighbor, who is, which, which would not be involved in the permit process, um, might have some harm because they'll have holes in the wall and they'll have some dry rot that is allegedly or not caused by, but that's not within our jurisdiction or, or, uh, <clears throat> or fiduciary care or legal care, correct? C correct, but I, I would say I haven't seen the, the walls in question, but the pictures, it does look like substantial uh, wood deterioration, uh -huh. so there would be permits but, required for that repair, but, but it's separate but, from, you're right. Separate but that is not in the world of the Board of Appeals or the or, the, or DBI uh, to juris, with jurisdiction as to who should pay for what, or that's really a civil matter. Is that but, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, if we don't agree, with the, the the findings that uh, you brought back with us, and w we wanted to seek a a higher power, uh, and that would be the head of the department, uh, to to give us a a very clear, and maybe it's the city attorney, I don't know, but you, it would come out of your department. Uh, it, it, uh, a clear direction: is it one permit or is it two permits? Then, if it is two permits. Uh, uh, then you would have to have two people to tango, metaphorically. Correct. Correct? Then I would and, say you would revoke this permit and they would come back with two, with, you know, uh, new plans with two permit applications right. associated. If indeed, if indeed we, we kick the can further down the road and we, we got a continuance and, and look for another opinion, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. But regardless of whether we did that, and, and if we did that, then we still run into, it's not us who run into that skirmish, then what is set up here is an, a civil matter where uh, both permit holders uh, would have a disagreement about who pays, who pays for what, and then they're going to end up in the courts anyway. And that's well beyond our, not our emotional care, but our, our, our legal care, correct? Cor correct. So am I unpacking this bag correctly? So, I believe so. Yes, right. that's so. So, so if if we decide tonight that your findings are correct, and only one permit needs to be issued, and and therefore the permit is issued, and the uh, the permit holder goes and and does the work, then I, I it doesn't take a brain scientist to understand that most likely a, a, a civil action will be taken between the two neighbors. Is that, am I reading the, I, I, the, my crystal ball fairly accurately? It, does, it doesn't appear to me that they're cooperating, so I would agree with right. your But that's argument. well out of the jurisdiction of DBI. It's well out of the jurisdiction of 
of this body, correct? All we are here to do today is to, one, agree or deny that you were, that the position that you brought with you tonight, that there could be one permit issued is correct. And if we deny that, that view, then you can come back with yet another opinion from the big boss. And that when Mr. Roe-Reardon comes back with that, then we can have exactly the same discussion and say, is there going to be one permit or two, and therefore deny the appeal or uphold the appeal? Is that where we're going? Yes, but I, I, I don't want to imply that I know what Mr. O'Riordan's um, uh, interpretation I would be. I, I, I did speak to him on the way out the office today. He's, he's, he's willing to write that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just want to set the, uh, I just, my attempt in this, in this conversation is to set the stage for the, uh, the commissioners and also for the, the appellant and the permit holder. If you all want to fight, um, we're not, we're not going to be the ones to settle that fight because we Correct. don't have it. We're, it's not in our jurisdiction. This is a civil matter. Yeah. What all we are doing tonight is deciding whether the opinion you brought in tonight deserves further uh, scrutiny and, and uh, the same opinion or a different one, uh, or we can go ahead uh, and uh, deal with the appeal based on whether the plans that you have, in, uh, have presented in front of us are compliant and, and legal to the task, correct? Sure. Correct. So, but just to clarify, if you, if you decide that only one permit is required and, and you're happy with this permit, there are some items that would need to be corrected in a special on conditions the, On the permit. plans. Correct. Right. All right. Thank so you we, very much. I just want to set the stage, and now the, you know, the, the rest of the, the gang can, can chime in, beginning with Mr. Trisvina. Um, I, 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 okay. did, I did agree to look at the plans, and I think uh, Commissioner Lemberg was asking about the handrails. Uh, could I just show that point? Can I get the overhead? Overhead, please. So there is, a bit of, there is a bit of conflict here in the plans. So they did show this picture of the existing. This is the top of the stairs looking down. Uh, this is the appellant's property. This is the permit holder's property. And they wrote existing guardrails and handrails to remain. That, that is in conflict with the actual plan detail. Can you see that? Can I make this bigger? Where, where it shows new, new handrails. See where arrow is? New handrails, new 36-inch handrails. And, and that would be done with, you know, uh, uh, standard uh, construction practices, which would be self-supporting. So, so there is a conflict there. And, and, I, not, I would, and I, not touching the building next door. Not, not touch the adjacent building, correct. Right. So I, I, I would recommend there be a special condition permit correcting that point. Okay. Um, Commissioner, do you want to carry on the conversation, Mr. Grisvenia? Uh, yeah, I, I need a little bit more education from you, Mr. Green, and you're always very helpful with my questions. This is a permit to do what? It is a permit to replay, uh, repair less than 50% of the existing, existing stairs. Okay, so... Then, and, and does the current stairs attach to the neighbor's building? There, uh, so as we had the discussion before, there's some, apparently there's some fasteners that go through, but if those fasteners were removed, this stairs would stand freestanding. 
it, it's but, supposed to be a freestanding stairs. But the, the permit that was approved doesn't affect those fasteners. Yes or no? Well, no. It, 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 the, the inspector, when the inspector goes out and he saw any code, code violations, he would have them correct it. Fastener going across the property line would be a violation, be part of the normal inspection process. An interesting aside on this, if you get a building permit to repair less than 50% of the stairs, normally you don't need plans. We only request plans when it's 50% or more. Uh, that's what we consider a replacement. For I, I don't know the reasoning why they went through this process of getting plans, but we would have issued a yeah. permit with no plans, just saying replace 50% of the stairs, repair 50% of the stairs. But it appears that the either the repair or the replacement of the fasteners will cause some damage to the neighbor's C building. Correct. And Correct. if that's the case, then wouldn't there be need, wouldn't that qualify for needing two permits? No, I, you could, I could cause damage to your property without any permit, right? Well, you that's, well, there's that's a, true, but, 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 but we're, the work to be done is done under the permit. Yes. So, well, I, the, the so, <laughs> so and it seems to me the principle of only one permit is a lot is is because whatever happens on that permit doesn't affect the neighbor, but here it does affect the neighbor. So even by by your own presentation. Well, it would seem to me that two permits would be needed because we've just established that damage would be caused by the work done under the under the first permit, under the, the only permit that we have in front of us. Well, I, I guess I would say the permit was sorry. The damage is already caused, right? You're, there, that was that was, damage was done when those fasteners were installed without a permit, so they would be removed. Um, I don't know that would increase the damage, but the damage is already there. But Which so, is just <laughs> so so if if the neighbors woke up and said, "Oh, we've got a damaged uh, wall because of Mr. Chin's stairwell, we need to fix this." Could they just take down the stairwell, fix it? They would need both sides to. They, that that also would require two permits, wouldn't it? If they were to. Repair the siding on their side. They, wouldn't they need to unfasten the stairwell to yeah. fix the damage, the dry rot? And wouldn't that, wouldn't that bring in a, a Mr. Chin to say, hey, you're messing up my stairwell. We need two permits. Well, like, as we <laughs> I, I disagree with that interpretation, but I understand your interpretation. That's why I offered to get a, a third interpretation. Okay, okay. I'm, 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 I'm really not, I'm not trying to push... Yeah. No, I, I understand, and I, I, was, I understand I, we, it all here, and um, I, I, I'm, I, I am given the, the given the facts, and given the testimony, and given the record, I, I'm hard pressed to. I hear your analysis of when one permit, when one permit only is needed, but it doesn't sound like those circumstances fit this. Okay. But you've given me more facts. You've given me more. Uh, more things to think about, so okay. thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lumber. Thank you. Um, 
Commissioner Swig and Trasvenia both kind of asked the question, most of the questions I was going to, and, and you answered my question from earlier as well. Um, I have a hypothetical for you, um, and it's somewhat unrelated to everything else we've been talking about. Um, and I, I, I want to caution, I'm not, this, just because I'm asking this question doesn't mean I'm leaning in this direction. I just want to see what would happen in this circumstance. Um, if we denied this appeal and allowed it, or, or granted the special conditions permit you were, you were talking about earlier, um, and the special conditions permit says no touching the, uh, the existing guardrails that are unquestionably attached to the appellant's home, that Number one, that is would still be a code violation at that point, right? The fact that it is attached to the drywall of, of the appellant's home? Uh, the siding, yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. And then number two, if we, again, assuming we had denied the appeal, what would the appellants then have to do in order to um, move forward and repair their damage, knowing that they don't have access to the space without receiving access through Mr. Chin's house. Um, this happens more than I would like to say, but they, if the two neighbors refuse to cooperate, they'll have to go to court and, and get... Um, Could the they get order. a permit on that point? I, would they be able to obtain a permit without, I mean, without accessing that space because... Sure, they can get a permit to repair their siding, but then when it comes to the time to do the work, um, if it's possible to do the work from their own property without conducting... Um, you know, without any agreement with Mr. Um, I'm sorry, the permit holder. I, I forgot his name. I apologize. Um, yes, they, they could, but obviously the easier way to do it would be to go to Davis property and, and do the access. Okay. This, we get, this comes up a lot when people are, want to paint their property line walls and the neighbors don't want to allow them in. Sometimes they try to hang down from a hanging scaffold, stuff like that. But still, it's the ideal world is with two neighbors to cooperate. Uh, much appreciated. That is the answer I thought it was. I just wanted to make sure. Um, so, uh, commissioners, what, um, what what I see the fork in the road that we're going to take, one way or the other, is that uh, we deal with the uh, the um, the issue presented to us tonight, um, which is. A, a, which ba bears the the consideration of the current recommendation from DBI, um, or uh, we take that next extra step um, by continuing this so that Mr. Green can get the ultimate, definitive, very clear directive from Mr. O'Reardon, the head of the department. Uh, what is your... What, what, where are we going? Yeah, and you're you're right. You know the the recent the most recent discussion is absolutely right. So what's going to happen here? You know, uh, if if this happens, if if there's only one permit issued, and there's the acceptance of the, and I'm looking at my broken crystal ball, uh, which is constantly in the repair shop. I don't know about yours, but I, I can see this one real clearly, uh, Commissioner Lemberg, and Commissioner Trezvina. Um, that so the the permits issued, the construction starts. The construction could be finished, and the and and the appellant's wall is now, which is clearly damaged f 
with dry rot, forget the, the, the holes in the wall from, you know, any fasteners, but there's, we can see the pictures, clearly damaged. Now, now that wall is obscured and can't even get, you know, repaired. And now we have, then we're just setting them, so we're setting them up for a, for a civil conflict. Um, where, whereas if, if there are two permits required, uh, then m maybe they can uh, find their way into curing both both issues. So I don't know. I'm looking for. I'm, I'm just posing the question. I'm not providing any direction. Anybody, uh, Commissioner Epler? No, I I, th I think that's correct, and I appreciate uh, the three of you that have asked questions because it frames the question very well, both in terms of we have a issue that we're actually here to, to deal with, um, and that's the permitting question and the civil action, um, which, as you drew out very, very clearly, is, is almost going to happen no matter what, um, you know, uh, is outside of our jurisdiction. The question is then understanding what, what the code says, and unfortunately, um, I don't think this is necessarily the situation where we're going to get a completely clear answer, even if we um, continue it, that might be to all of our satisfaction. Because DBI seems to think that only one permit is necessary. I think uh, Commissioner Strasvina, um articulated an idea that I've been thinking about um, since our last hearing, which is your plans and permit, you can swing your hammer as far as you want until it hits someone else's house. And then you need another permit because you've, you know, it's like the swinging your fist rule uh, when it comes to the law. And so, with that in mind, it, it seems to me that the dual permit, I mean, the way I read the code, and I think I said this last time, is like two permits are necessary. It just seems, seems this just obvious to me, regardless of the, the, what DBI has said. And that's why I, I encourage DBI to think about a, an articulated policy that may be able to be reflected in law so that we don't end up in this situation again. Um, but I also think that the two permits may help on the civil matter a little bit more easily, too. Um, I mean, there's a reason why we continued this in the first place, and that's because the threat of this going either way might get the parties to talk to each other, and I was deeply frustrated that that did not happen in the way that it did not happen and that communications did not go both ways during that time period. Um, that's not to say that anyone's going to get punished for that or rewarded for that in any sort of way because I'm looking straight at the code, and to me the code says, Hey, if you touch someone else's property with a repair, a construction, a demolition, or the other things that are articulated in that code section, then you need to get a permit to do so. Commissioner Lember? Um, I don't think it's a secret where I'm leaning on this. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, I do want to go ahead and say I don't think it's worth waiting for Mr. O'Reardon's uh, analysis on this because I don't think it would really change my opinion on this and my opinion is exactly what Commissioner Epler just said which is that I, I think two permits are required here. Um, I think it's been like this in every previous case we've had. This is not the first time this has come up since I've been on this board in the last 18 months and I don't see any sufficient difference to come out uh, with a different conclusion here. Um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of things running through my head regarding the civil matters, but I know that's not before us and it's not, uh, not appropriate for our consideration. Uh, so ultimately it just does boil down to the fact that I don't think this permit was properly issued because I do think it requires uh, two permits, one on each property. Um, and so for that reason, I would be inclined to uh, just grant the appeal in full um, with no conditions. 
Mr. Trevino. I, I too would be prepared to grant the, the appeal uh, on, on the basis that the single uh, permit uh, failed to take into account the interests and rights of the of the uh, of the uh, appellant. I am. I can reconcile my view that two permits are needed with the with this with the statement from 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 from, from Mr. Green. Uh, I think we're talking about two different circumstances. In one circumstance, there is no effect to the other property owner. In this case, there is an effect to to to, to the property owner. Uh, I I am I'm not really a fan of the requirement of having two permits because I see that is a possibility and I think there was some evidence of it in the prior case where a a neighbor's lack of cooperation can hold hold hostages not, is too too extreme and I am but I'm lacking the terminology um, you know what I mean? Is it 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 it, it allows slows one, down the process? Gives too much <laughs> give too much power to 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 one uh, un, uncompromising or un, uncooperative um, uh, property owner. I'm I am too disappointed by by the testimony from from, from Mr. Chin about the reasons why from November 15th to now uh, he has not provided uh, an offer to 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 uh, uh, to Mr. Covey. Uh, Purapu. Uh, so I would, I would, um, I would grant, I would move to grant, uh, grant the appeal, uh, and and I, I, I agree with with Commissioner Lemberg and, and you, President Swig, that that might promote uh, a resolution of this faster than if we than if we continue continue it yet again. Thank you for that motion, uh, Mr. Green. Let's, let's have a little educational seminar, please. All right, so I think I see one, two, three of us at least, because I would be the third that would um, move to uh, uphold this appeal, correct? Defined for the appellant. All right, so, and, and for, the, for the reasons offered by Mr. Trezvina, because the moment that somebody touches that wall, then we got a we got a problem because there there there's no way around it, um, and so what so what happens now, if if we if we uh, uphold the appeal, and deny the permit, then how do these guys other than um, going into civil court and suing each other and complaining who's going to pay for what, but what is the what is the machinations around uh, getting uh, two appeals, uh, sorry, two permits, one which will get the stairs done, one which will cover the, 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 um, the inevitable touching of the, the current appellant's wall. Well, so if you, you grant the appeal, this permit's dead. Does it? it yes. It's revoked. It can't right, be, we know can't, that part. What happens be. now? Because I want, this is where the education part comes in both before we we take this vote or not, and two, it's all, I always like to be fair to the two parties so they know what they're they're getting into. So, if the two property owners cooperate, 
and come up with a, a mutual set of plans. It's very simple. The, the, it'd be one set of plans, two permit applications attached to it, um, the two permit application numbers, one for each property. Um, it's big if, if they, if they cooperate, um, it'd be up to them to come forward with the, the, with the, the, the plans and we would approve it. Now, I think you should, is there a restriction on the current permit holder coming in with another building permit with uh, the same thing and we just appeal it again? I, can, can you, I don't know if we can put a restriction on that or not. I would refer to the city attorney. No. No. no, but probably if it comes up in front of the same group, they're going to get the same, way. The same, yes. same response. <laughs> so um, let's let's that would be kind of a recommendation inherent from this group that that wouldn't be a great mm -hmm. tactic. So I would just so yes, you you could get one set of plans. It does the um, comprehensive work, the the replacement of the stairs and replacing or repairing the siding. Uh, one issue with dry rot. It, it, you see, the siding is, is rotten. I don't know how bad the framing is, right? So a lot of times when we have siding replacement permits, once you take the siding off, oh, this, it's a lot more extensive and might require a, a, a second permit. Just, just reality. Right. I mean, that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. But uh, but, or they don't do anything at all, and uh, and and life goes on. Correct. Uh, correct. Yeah. All right. I just want I just wanted all sides to know what we're getting into, including this side of the triangle. So, uh, Commissioner Chazin, you have a further comment. You have the motion in place. I, if I could ask Mr. Ian as as a, for some help in formulating this motion, um, your advice or interpretation was one permit was enough. It was required. It was required. We, we could you could get. It doesn't prohibit two permits. And, and we are, as you've stated, we are now putting a lot of faith in the ability of uh, and inclination of the two neighbors to cooperate. And I'm, I'm, I think that might be misplaced. I, uh, requiring two permits, is that something that would be the view of the department, or is that something that we need to put into the well, you're not, motion? You're not requiring two permits, right? You're, you're, I think if you just uphold this appeal, you're just revoking this permit. There's no conditions attached to it. I think you're suggesting that they come in with um, two permits to, to address the work, if I, if I understood correctly. And, and I'm wondering whether when they are received in your office, will the department be looking to issue two permits or one? Well, if they come in with two applications attached to one set of plans, we'll, we'll approve two permits. But like I said, I, I, well, then they, they if, could come if in only, with the if same. Only, if only one party comes in with a permit, we could well, very well be back here again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And as Mr. Swig says, you'll probably vote the same way. <laughs> so then, it, well, then is the department going to issue one permit if only one permit is requested? Or would the department say, we've been here, we know what the board is saying, this is not enough for this situation? Um, that's a good question, Commissioner Um 
Well, that I, w I wouldn't, you know, it, it, uh, pretend to be able to predict your decisions, right? Um, just because you made this decision once doesn't mean it'll be the same decision again, but it might be a different board, right? I don't know the timeline when this person will come in with the permit. Well, I, I'm I just saying we would, <laughs> they would see the permit history. Yes, this one was revoked. This is similar work. I'm, I just, I've never contemplated that question before, so I, I just okay. can't, can't then, come then up with a definitive then, answer. To then what, you, what I'm hearing is that the motion needs to include language that it's the, it's the board's view that two permits are required. I, I would I would suggest that uh, <clears throat> that you you put that language in there. And one that the permit was imp not properly issued, in specific consideration of the board's view that two permits are required. That's that that might solve it and send the message. With with all due respect, okay, uh, Commissioner Lopez. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'll answer Mr. Trezvina's question. Um, if it gets resubmitted again, it's it's going to get approved in the same way that if the neighbors submit a permit, a sole permit to fix their siding, that's going to get approved. And I think that's right. I think that's right. I, it looks like I might be on an island here, but it's easy for me to distinguish this case from what I'll call the dangling uh, firescape case, yeah. which is, to my memory, the only time that, that I recall seeing this before. The dangling firescape was put across two property lines. And if memory serves, it was two properties that had been split apart. And so you had that remaining firescape in between the two buildings. That's very different than what we're talking about here. We're talking about someone in illegally uh, putting fasteners, illegally, illegally putting in a handrail into the neighboring property. That, that's not you know, an original one property that was split. That, that's not uh, an edifice that exists in between two property lines. That's an illegal action by, it sounds like, an owner prior to Mr. Chin. And it physically joins two, uh, you know, structures. It physically joins these two, um, you know, physical bodies, but it doesn't legally join them. So if it were different, if it were a poster of Mr. Chin's, you know, favorite artist, let's say Taylor Swift, that goes up, that doesn't legally change the, the necessity to get two permits to remove that poster. If it was a paint job, we had the, the example that Mr. Green gave us. If uh, Mr. Jean's predecessor in ownership had painted the siding, and it's possible to create damage with paint, with <laughs> shoddy paint jobs, that doesn't change the nature of the legal nature of a requirement to give rise to the legal requirement for, for two permits. I think what, what we're left with in my mind is somebody did something illegally. It doesn't change or give rise to a new legal requirement to get the, uh, the neighbor's buy-in. 
to remove that illegal uh, fasteners and, and the guardrails and the structure. And I think in the same way that I can tell you what DBI would do with that hypothetical future permit, I think, you know, based on what we've seen, I'm pretty confident that if we give rise to the need for two permits, I can predict that we'll have a holdout pro problem and probably nothing will be resolved because it, it looks like the parties are clearly, even, even with the distinct possibility that only one prop, uh, permit is needed, there's, there's, no, there's no communication or co cooperation. And now if you shift that to requiring legally cooperation to take place before anything can get done, I think that's just a further impediment to, to anything happen on either uh, side of, uh, of, of, of these structures, of the stairs and, and the siding. And so, I don't know. I think the, the doing damage standard doesn't seem right to me because there's, there's a lot of ways to do damage to your neighbor's property without attaching and, and fastening a physical structure to it. And, and that, in my mind, just the fact that the possibility uh, that damage can be done to the neighbor's property um, does not line up with at least my reading of the code. And it sounds like we have a couple of data points that agree with that reading from Mr. Green, from Mr. Green's colleague. I mean, maybe from other colleagues if we want to go to the quote unquote big boss, but we have a couple of data points on the same, qu same quadrant and it feels to me like stepping away from those data points from the experts is kind of, it's legislating a little bit. And I think the fact that we can predict or that, in my opinion, it's very likely that a different uh, permit by the appellants would also get approved. I mean, they're, 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 realistically, they're not looking at, hey, has there been a BOA decision on this property before? Uh, and what was their interpretation? I think, you know, they go on their department's interpretation based on what's in the code. I think if we want to, to demand two permits here, we need to change the code and clarify the code. And that's, in my mind, I think that's, that's, that's still a worthy um, effort in, in cause, but I don't, think, I don't think it's appropriate to read in and, and prescribe that interpretation without that clarity when the department is giving us a couple of voices saying like, no, that's not what we would do. Um, Got a solution? Excuse me. Sorry. Guys, do, you, do you have an alternative solution? I mean, I, I would I would just approve the permit with the with the adjustments that, that Mr. Green laid out. And if we play out what happens next, Mr. Chin probably does the work. Um, I mean, he's already incentivized. He he knows that that the possibility of legal action is very predictable, very likely. So he's extremely incentivized to do the work as carefully as possible. I think he'd be well advised to, you know, have evidence about the pre and post work uh, state of the siding. But I think there's, 
there are other solutions to the problem outside of these four walls that are very available, very practical, I think that are, you know, taken up by folks regularly. I mean, I think Mr. Green's example of, you know, the paint job, that, that I mean, conveniently it lines up with, with my reading of the whole situation, but I think it really reinforces that. Like, just because I need to get uh, on your property to reach, you know, some corner of my house to paint the house doesn't mean that I need, that you need to get a permit for that, right? That the, the neighbor would be required to get a permit for that. Um, yeah, I think in my mind, the path forward would be to deny the appeal, uh, make the adjustments, uh, you know, with the special conditions permit related to the, the guardrails that, that Mr. Green uh, pointed out, and then, you know, tell, you know, tell Mr. Chin, you know, vaya con Dios in terms of, you know, doing these repairs as, as professionally and carefully as you can, because, you know, you're incentivized to do that because otherwise you're going to have a, a civil matter on your hands, but it's, I don't think it's our, uh, you know, place to either pre-legislate that interpretation or, you know, pre-settle or prevent, you know, that dispute resolution because it's, in my mind, it's outside of the four corners of the permit. What's up? Uh, Mr. Trezvina? Then Mr. Eppler? Yeah, um, uh, just a couple of points. Is I think at the core of our work is when a neighbor or a party is injured by a permit that is issued, to someone else, that's when we step in, and we, and so I, I I don't see that any different from what we're doing here. We have the complaint, we have the permit. We in, in my in my motion, it will that we I would grant the appeal based upon the uh, absent the the insufficiency of the single permit, uh, considering <coughs> the rights and interests of the appellant and 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 further that we sh we should require uh, two permits to be issued for um, for this matter going forward Mr. Epler yeah I, <clears throat> I think I think we've <laughs> I, I do take take some exception to the idea that we're 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 legislating from up here because to my to my reading we we are simply following the exact rules of the code and I know that we haven't focused on that very much this evening. It, it doesn't have to do with damage. Um, it doesn't have to do with uh, the relationship between the two properties, except for something is happening on both properties. They don't have to be, you know, together at any point in time. They don't even have, you know, that. I guess adjacency is assumed because how else are you going to have something happen on two properties at once? But even the word adjacent isn't in the code. It's, you know, if if we, if if you know, my neighbor painted the wall that I can't see, 
and cause damage and then wanted to repaint their walls but not mine, they wouldn't need a permit. But the second that they touch my wall, then they would need the permit. And that's, that's the difference here because the code says that no building or structure regulated by this code shall be erected, constructed, enlarged, altered, repaired, removed, improved, removed, converted, or demolished unless a separate permit for each building or structure has first been obtained. It doesn't matter that there's damage in this case, and there is. If they were improving it, if they were fixing their wall for them, they would need to get a permit to do that. If they were patching up those holes from the joinery perfectly with the utmost care, they would need a permit to do that. And that is just the plain language of Section 106A1, permits required. And, and so where would you stand on the uh, motion, please? I, I would vote in favor of the motion that Commissioner Trisvenia has offered. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, can I just Mr. Clarify? Green, my pleasure. Maybe not too germane to your argument, but when you discuss painting, uh, you, painting doesn't require a permit, so <laughs> just, just. I know it's an clear. exemption of something that could fall into the code, but it's the one that's been offered. Sure, I, yeah. but you were saying painting, if you're painting your yeah. wall, you require a permit. I just yeah. want to clarify yeah. that. That's Understood. Not required. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the, the, this is one where I would. <clears throat> um, you know, this always frustrates me when I when I see merit and very strong merit in both both arguments. Um, the if if we if we go along the way uh, that uh, and and I happen to agree with Mr. Epler's point of view and interpretation completely. All right. Um, if if we go along the way and I but I don't agree. Uh, I don't disagree with. Uh, Commissioner Lopez's point of view. The, the, the problem is that y you have two neighbors and we're always preaching from here. Man, how can you be in a fight with your next door neighbor and go home every night and live there comfortably? Um, you know, that, that's between you guys to fight. And it's too bad that you can't come to an agreement and can't sit over a cup of coffee and work this out. But that's not, that's not for us. Um, but I, I think the... the the easiest, the, the, the most efficient way out of this is to, to go with uh, Commissioner Trisvina's motion. Um, if you go, uh, if you go with, it, it's, it, they're going to end up in court anyway, all right? Uh, the way that they're behaving. Um, so, Commissioner Lopez, if and I don't disagree with your position, but I'm just looking at again the, my broken crystal ball. So you approve the, the permit. They start construction. All right. The the neighbor with uh, the neighbor with the, the the wounded wall says, "Well, I got I have to fix that wall. Well, I, then go get a permit to do that." Well, by the time you get that permit, uh, I'm going to be finished with those stairs which means that there's going to be like, a, you know, a half an inch of space between the, that new staircase and those walls, and those walls won't, will be preempted from, from getting fixed. Uh, if you take the position that, right? I mean, because that's how the animosity is being projected between Mr. Chen and, and from Mr. Mr. Chen. I'm going to do it anyway because I have the right to do it. It's not going to fix the wall. 
Oh, so they end up, so the, 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 they go to court and they get a restraining order against Mr. Chin that says, you can't start your, your job because you've inflicted harm into our wall and they'll read chapter and verse of what Mr. Epler just read to us, you know? So uh, there, it's like a no-win situation. So I, I think the, the, the best direction, quite frankly, is to take Commissioner Trisvina's ad, advice uh, and and force them in, into a into a situation where they they end up working together. Uh, and if Mr. Chen wants to work together uh, and get his staircase done properly and effectively, as well as satisfy help his neighbor out, uh, then he can he, he can do that, and they can get two permits and get their work done effectively. Or else, you know, going in the other direction, there's just going to be we're setting ourselves up for, a, for them up for 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 conflict, and uh, it's too bad they they can't sit down over a cup of coffee and work this out. That would be the easiest way out. So that's my my point of view. You know, uh, we just we we if we go in your direction, uh, uh, Commissioner Lopez, we're just lighting the fuse on a on the stick of dynamite on on purpose because they're going to go after each other. In this way, if we stop it, then we, we put a hold on, on the permit because we're killing the permit and force the two neighbors to, to think, think about it more constructively. That's, you know, that's the way I think. Uh, so you want to you wanna take a vote on this motion and see how it flies and, and go for it? Yeah, I have unless, more to add. Unless anybody, I don't want to preempt your conversation on this. No, I, I, I just. It's sad. It's unfortunate. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think, I think to Commissioner Epler's point, I mean, I think, you know, we, we all read that provision. I remember you read it out at the last meeting as well. I think the, the question, as with a lot of the provisions that we look at, is how do we interpret it? How does the department interpret it? How should we interpret it? Um, and I think that's, you know, to my, if memory serves, that's also probably part of why we extended the, the conversation to say, thank you very much, Mr. Green. If you wouldn't mind taking it back, we want to make sure that that's how the department interprets it. Um, Mr. Green came back and that message came back that confirmed, yep, that's, that's what we do. And so that's, that's the part, it's not about the plain language of the code because obviously, you know, Mr. Green even came up and told us, well, there's this exception <laughs> or there's a little color, no pun intended, with respect to paint, right? Um, so it's not, it's not all improvements, even though that's, that's in the code. So I, I, all that is to say, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be able to, to jump in front of the train here. Um, but I do think it may be worth us just putting this in the parking lot of things to, to clarify, just because, I mean, I think if memory serves, we've seen this twice in the last year or so. There's a lot of properties with adjoining property lines in, in San Francisco. So I think it's, uh, regardless of the outcome, 
what I would uh, ask my colleagues to consider is um, us following up, agendizing this, trying to get further clarification from uh, DBI, potentially, you know, uh, reach out to other parties as needed, uh, just because uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, the, 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 the lack of uh, a unified kind of view that I'm predicting on this body uh, aligns with uh, the lack of a unified view among the property holders. And that's all due to, in my mind, the lack of clarity in, uh, in the code and its interpretation. I mean, otherwise we're just gonna end up here uh, n number of times in the future with, with similar cases. And it'd be nice to, to, to have a, a clear view on how those uh, disputes should be uh, adjudicated. Yeah, I, I, I think your point of view is absolutely correct. I think that we should, uh, we should agendize this because, you know, so many questions arise. Who caused the damage in the first place? Which was something that we couldn't, in the first case, the Pacific Avenue case, that was ambiguous. There was no permit to, to build. I don't believe there was a permit originally to build that, that fire escape. So who did it in the first place? Here, we have the same thing. Who put the nails in in the wall? Was permission given or not? Clearly, it was illegal because there wasn't a permit uh, issued to put nails in the the wall. So, there there would be. I think we should agendize it. We should address the issue that has occurred twice. There's been ambiguity in both cases. Uh, we should look at it as um, whether it happened. What happens when it happens legally, illegally? Um, um, un unbeknownst to the, unbeknownst to one of the neighbors, which is probably the case here too, uh, and I think it's a really good idea. And then, then you'll have a position statement on it. So when it comes up again, we we pull out the position statement. So I think it's a great idea. Um, does that satisfy you? Yeah, great. Um, so with the motion, um, Julie, uh, we can take a vote. You want me to recite what I believe your motion is, Commissioner Trisvenia? Sure. Okay, so we have a motion from C Commissioner Trisvenia to grant the appeal and revoke the permit on the basis that it was not properly issued because a, a single permit, the single permit failed to take into account the interest of the appellants and two permits are required to perform the work since it impacts the appellant's wall. That, that's satisfactory to me, thank you. Okay, so on that motion, Vice President Lopez? Nay. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries four to one and the appeal has been granted. So. Thank you. We are now moving on to item number six. This is appeal number 23-059, Jay Martin versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval, Subject Property, 957 Treat Avenue, appealing the issuance on November 3rd, 2023 to 17th and Peralta LLC of an alteration permit. Chain link material to be replaced for 70 feet of 75 feet total length. Existing fence is 10 feet high and has been repeatedly vandalized by trespassers. Replace chain link material. This is for 957 Treat Avenue under block 3639 and lots 36A, 36B, and 36 as recorded by the CCSF Assessor's Office on 
2023. This is permit number 2023-1101-9926. And Mr. Martin, welcome. You have seven minutes. Uh, was there a swearing in that I missed? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir? Was there a swearing in? Oh, yes, in the beginning. Um, do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I do. Thank you. And uh, may I understand how to use the um, slides? Would I ask you when they go on and off? Is that the idea? Um, yeah, please show the first slide. Okay. Computer, please. Commissioners, uh, thank you. I am deeply grateful that this board exists in San Francisco to help make sense of this peculiar situation. I'm going to present some facts I know, but also some questions I have. Uh, right up front, I want to uh, thank the help I've received uh, through emails with Julie Rosenberg and Alec Longaway, Matt Green, Mauricio Hernandez, Maggie Lausch, and Corey Teague. And I want to apologize that for the sake of this hearing, I will be speaking about city actions and what the city should and shouldn't have done. Uh, this photo shows uh, Parcel 36, as it's nicknamed, looking from the corner of 22nd Street and Harrison, taken yesterday. What I see in this picture, what my neighbors and friends see too, is land that should be green and public. The gate in the photo was discussed at a hearing on April 27th. The board revoked a building permit to replace that gate because the permit holder wasn't the owner of record and didn't hold a recorded easement. But that gate is at the north end on lot 36. Tonight we will, 36A. Tonight we will consider something new, lot 36B. Uh, yeah. This is the assessor's block map rotated. North is to the right. Lot 36B is at the top. The part touching Treat Avenue. Can I point? Yeah, there, 36B. Uh, 36B has lots of owners. In 1912, it was already owned by five different people. In 2019, the assessor's recorder's office listed 16 owners. Uh, let me suggest at this point, this hearing might be continued to invite someone from the assessor recorder's office before the appeal is decided. For one thing, the permit holder relies on the assessor recorder's office for their ownership claim. Their response says, quote, the assessor's office determined the permit holder has ownership interests in 36B totaling about 15%. That's on page two of the permit holder's reply. And at the bottom of the same page, it also says, see excerpts of assessor's records for parcel 36B, evidencing that the assessor recorder's office has a process for validating quit claim deeds and has validated four of the six deeds. So, even the permit holder is saying, by implication, go ask the assessor recorder's office. I did, and I only have a partial answer, but it's puzzling. 
this page corresponds to a page in the permit holders exhibit D, uh, but this version of the ownership history has, uh, shows the recorded document number uh, for the first owner, 17th and Peralta LLC. Uh, that's the permit holder and it has a document number. Can you see it? Uh, 2023-027649. For the other two owners on this page, the document number is UNREC35054, which means unrecorded. The first owner on that page used to be another person whose ownership was based on an unrecorded document. The quit claim deed recorded by the permit holder is hiding, at least in this report it's hiding, it's probably still in the system, the fact that the ownership is based on an unrecorded document. Uh, I don't know the explanation. The person helping me at the Assessor Recorder's Office didn't know the explanation. That's why I'm suggesting you might invite the Assessor Recorder's Office. Uh, thank you for the background. And now, um, can I have the, uh, the overhead, perhaps? Overhead, please. I want to discuss, is, is this going to work? No, that, yeah, OK. Maybe zoom out. OK. Um, On the DBI site on this page, gather information for your building permit issuance, it says for owner builders, if you recently acquired the building, bring the recorded grant deed or the property tax statement. It says building, but I assume it applies to land. So I'm, I'm considering this an important issue that the DBI is interested in who the owner is. And it asks specifically for a grant deed. So if you bring in a quit claim, quit claim deed, then I think you haven't met the requirement, especially when the quit claim deed, and this is those are exhibits in the permit holders reply, these quit claim deeds don't even have an easy to find predecessor at the recorder's, assessor recorder's office. And as I understand it, a quit claim deed is a very contingent document. It's not the whole story. Uh, so. That's concern one, that the DBI saw insufficient evidence of ownership submitted by the permit holder. Um, I, I included in my exhibit some emails I exchanged. I had a further email from uh, Mr. Teague, but it's still, uh, he, Mr. Teague was confirming that all he had seen were the quit claim documents. And that's my question, uh, have they seen enough in this case, I would say in general, a quick claim deed is not enough. Uh, concern two, the DBI didn't see any plans for this work, as far as I know. Oh, uh, overhead, oh, let's see, you know, leave that overhead on. Uh, this is a, so projects eligible for an over-the-counter permit. It says, Plans are required for fences that are six, taller than six feet inside a rear yard and or fences taller than three feet in the front yard. And the application said explicitly existing fence is 10 feet high. Perfectly true. So uh, maybe, maybe plans aren't required if the permit holder had done exactly the work described in the application, which was chain link material to be replaced and the permit holder did exactly that much work on the first day they got the permit, November 3rd. Uh, some chain link fabric was replaced. That work fit the description, but uh, 
11 days later, they did some additional work, which did not at all fit the description of my opinion. They put in uh, some extra, two extra pieces of horizontal piping. And um, this application, as you can see, mentions nothing about piping or horizontal bracing or reinforcing. 30 seconds. Okay. I, uh, I wrote to Matt, Mr. Green yesterday suggesting that this is perhaps a notice of violation situation because clearly the value of the additional work, may I have the slides briefly? Uh, exceeds 10% of the previous work, but if it's not a notice of violation, perhaps it is, in this case, a matter where the permit did not include plans which it should have had and which would make it uh, unacceptable and incomplete. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we will now hear from the permit holder, and I believe his attorney is, the permit holder's attorney, uh, Mr. Ridless, is here via Zoom. Uh, good evening. Yes, Josh Ridless on behalf of the permit holder, 17th and Peralta LLC. Um, the permit holder uh, did, in fact, submit a secured property tax statement to the Department of Building Inspection when obtaining the permit. Uh, the permit holder is an owner of Lot B. Um, so it's not just the quick claim deeds that the uh, issued permit were based on, uh, but um, confirmation both from the Department of Building Inspection as well as the assessor recorder that the permit holder is in fact an owner of the property. Um, in terms of the work actually done, the permit holder placed the fence uh, in its entirety, uh, the mesh, uh, on the day the permit was issued. Uh, and like clockwork, the fence was then cut and further vandalized, I believe that evening. Uh, permit holder then put um, supplemental pieces of wood over the uh, cut fence to prevent trespassers from crossing through it. And I yield the rest of my time. Okay, thank you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we will now hear from the planning department. Hi. Good evening again, President Swig, Commissioners, Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator. Um, again, this is a property at 957 Tree Avenue, parcel 36. Um, it's been in front of you two other times for two other permits. This specific building permit was for fence repair and chain leak replacement. Um, this was a permit that was over the counter um, and it was approved over the counter by DBI and planning um, in this past year. The property ownership issue, just to be clear, typically planning department is not really involved and has no formal role in determining who are the legal owners of, of a property. We definitely rely on our um, assessors and tax collectors office for that information. However, the last couple of times this property was before you. Uh, I should say the last time it was before you, it wasn't this property, it was an adjacent property, but this property was still the center of that appeal. Um, I had stated that if and when, because we knew when, that there would be at some point in time where this property would be back in front of you, that we would want to make sure that the prop property owner issues were addressed adequately. So before that permit was approved by planning, 
we wanted to make sure that we had some understanding of what had changed or what had been updated from a property ownership perspective. Um, you know, I had a conversation with the property owners, reviewed their documentation. It was understood that they had been very upfront about their actions and the steps they were taking to try to track down the parties that were necessary to be able to um, take these actions and record these deeds, um, that they had been in touch with the supervisor's office, with the Department of Building Inspection, and with the city assessor's office, and then through this process with, with the planning department. Um, and the documentation that was submitted, including the actual deeds and the ownership history document, uh, document from the assessor's office showing the, um, that LLC as being um, a part owner of the property. Um, that was deemed sufficient for the purposes of that issue and the history here for us to sign off on what is typically just an over-the-counter uh, permit. So that's we think the permit itself um, meets the planning code. There's no reason it couldn't be approved over the county counter based on you know the zoning of the property and the scope of work of the permit. Um, but I'm available for any additional questions you may have. Thank you. President Swig has a question. So the biggest difference that I see uh, this time versus the uh, first time uh, that we saw a permit in discussion on this property, which was the, the, the fixing of the fence a few months ago, uh, is that um, the contractor applied for the permit. It wasn't even wasn't the owner, and that seemed to be the root of this. Now, the, the difference here is that the owner applied for the permit and validated that, in fact, that they were the owner and could speak as the owner, even though uh, there seems to be multiple constituencies or multiple owners of this of this plot of land. Um, correct? Correct. For this permit, um, the documentation was provided that was included in the ex exhibits to the uh, permit holders brief showing proof of ownership of the parcel where the permit was for, um, and that was deemed, you know, adequate for that purpose and granting the permit. So when you have a patch, uh, this is a, an educational question, um, and, but it leads to answering, I think, what they, the appellant's counsel was questioning. And when you have a patchwork quilt uh, of ownership on a, uh, a parcel, and that it has been fully acknowledged that this is a patchwork quilt. Um, how do you how do you establish uh, who gets to be the decision maker on the patchwork quilt, especially when some of the you know the the patches aren't necessarily findable, or there isn't clarity about that they even exist, or there isn't clear there isn't a lot of clarity in general. Uh, how do you how do you decide that that uh, that owner, in this case, 17th of Bralta, who applied for this permit, is has the jurisdiction to uh, to apply on behalf of the the rest of the patchwork quilt. Sure, um, it's an understandable question. I can only speak for the kind of planning code and the planning department. Sure, um, and that is the the planning code basically does not address this issue at all um, in terms of partial ownership and percentage ownership and majority ownership. And if you need a majority ownership to um, be able to 
give authorization to have a permit or application filed for that project. So we don't have any direction from the planning code on this issue specifically. Um, and our practice has been that you just have to be a partial ownership owner of a property to be able to submit an application. If there's any uh, disagreement among multiple owners, that's a civil matter between those owners. Right. And so uh, what also comes to mind is, um, thank you for that explanation, uh, what also comes to mind would be that um, uh, if there was one owner that, uh, two things, sorry. So in, in so, so what we have here is uh, an owner who has partial interest who makes a, an application for a permit, that permit, permit by your judgment is fully in compliance and therefore it was issued, correct? From the planning department's perspective, yes. Yeah, okay. So the, 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 I, I guess the fail safe here is that uh, the, the permit was, uh, was applied for uh, in a sunshine fashion um, and that if any of the other, uh, so, so nobody was hiding anything, it was out there, and if any of the other uh, uh, members of the patchwork quilt, my, my metaphor, um, disagreed with that, uh, they could be. They could have been an appellant sitting here, saying, "Whoa, whoa, wait a moment. We don't agree here, and we're we're appealing the issuance of this permit." Is that correct? Sure. I mean, if there's other owners of the property who didn't agree with this permit, they would be able to take advantage of whatever rights they had under the permitting process or under civil law. Right. So that yields to the the your your assumption that um, uh, that given that that you didn't hear from anybody, and that. Uh, this is this uh, app, uh, this applicant is a uh, is a bona fide owner of of the, this parcel, um, albeit maybe in a patchwork. That it was a a, um, a validated and and just application, and sure. he had no no problem approving the permit. Correct. I mean, we have obviously many properties in the city that are under multiple ownership. Um, between maybe split ownership between individuals, split ownerships between trusts and LLCs, et cetera, et cetera. We definitely don't require, you know, um, written consent from every owner of a property when it comes to applications in the planning department. Um, and if you are uh, one of the property owners, that is adequate for the for the planning department, and that's where the the documentation here was supplied and was determined to be adequate. To make that call. Okay, thank you for that clarification, that sure. information. Uh, Commissioner Chisvinia. Uh, thank you, thank you, President. So, could you comment um, on um, Mr. Martin's contention that a fence higher than six feet requires uh, plans for the permit? Um, I would defer to my colleague DBI that what was referenced was a, a, a DBI requirement for when plans are required. Um, so I would, I would defer to them on when it is. I mean, the, as has come up before, there are distinctions between kind of repair and replacement, et cetera. Um, but I don't want to speak for DBI. Well, would, would getting that wrong change your view of whether the permit was properly granted? I mean, under the planning code, um, the scope of work that w that was described, um, if there were no plans, that was still fine. We, it wouldn't change the planning department's 
review and approval of the permit for this particular scope of work. Thank you. Okay, thank you. No further questions? Thank you. We'll now hear from the Department of Building Inspection. Uh, good evening again, Commissioners. Matthew Green, representing the De uh, Department of Building Inspection. Um, this permit was issued to, um, issued on November 3rd. Um, on November 15th, an inspection was scheduled to take place on November 22nd. The permit was suspended on November 20th, so the scheduled inspection has not taken place. Uh, the permit is to um, replace the chain link material, 70 feet of the 75-foot total. Um, I'll concur with uh, Mr. Teague when, about the ownership. Uh, as long as there's some ownership of the property, we will grant the building permit. If there's the dispute between the owners, that's that's a matter between them. Um, Mr. Uh, Commissioner Chesvinia, your question about plans. The, the building codes is actually fences uh, less than six feet do not require a building permit. It, it, that, that web page might be a little inelegantly written. We're not, we're not saying that plans are required if it's over six feet, we're saying that a building permit is required. So I think that uh, I think that website it was the web page was just a list of things that can be approved uh, over the counter. So there is no requirement for a uh, plans just because the fence is over six feet tall. Um, not too much to add. Uh, we we did after the previous um, hearing, the permit was revoked because I believe. Iron, Gomez Ironworks applied for the permit and put the, um, uh, the LLC as the owner. There wasn't any evidence of the ownership, and that's why we recommended revoking the permit. Uh, we do have evidence now. We're comfortable saying that uh, the 17th of Peralta LLC does have an ownership interest in this property, and we believe the permit was issued properly and recommend that you uphold the permit. I'm available for any questions you may have. Sure. The, the, uh, um, the appellant's attorney... Uh, put forth that there was an augmentation and there the, there's the pipe that is very evident at the top of the uh, the, the fence. I looked at it as kind of um, uh, something that might have been put there, not maliciously, but rather to add uh, further uh, strength and security to the integrity of the fence. Is that how you look at that? Uh, yes, I believe so. The senior building inspector, Mr. Hernandez, did, did receive a complaint on this matter and, and responded that he believes it's all within the scope of the issued permit, or the suspended permit, sorry. Okay, thanks very much for that clarification. Thank you. Okay, thank, uh, we do have a question from Commissioner Epler. <clears throat> Me? A um, couple of questions on that. Um, one, um, well, never mind. Uh, actually, I do have another. Just want to confirm with you: Did the department receive a property tax statement from uh, the LLC uh, with the permit application? I just want to confirm the the statement of the. the oh well, uh, we we, we have access to the assessor's database. So what, once they come in, the normal process is they will open up the assessor's database, see who the property owner is, and and. So so, so you have a property tax statement? Uh, no, I just say we have access to the. Assessor's okay. database. Does the application needed to be be accompanied with a grant deed or a property tax statement? Is, I said, does, does the application require that either a grant deed or a pro property tax statement accompany it, or that you find it from the assessor recorder? What 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 need? What sort of proof is necessary? Because the appellant said that you either needed a grant deed or a property tax statement. The appellant's, or excuse me, the prop, the permit holder's attorney said that a property tax statement was provided, and I just wanted to try and confirm that. Well, the, prop, the, the, the quit deeds were, were, were um, provided. 
So, so it's a grant deed, right? So, so, but the issue is that there are no grant deeds; there are only the quit claims, and that's why the um, permit holder's attorney said that a property tax statement was provided. Did we get a property tax statement? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. No further questions. Okay, we're moving on to public comment. Is there anyone in the room who would like to provide public comment? Okay, please approach the microphone. And sir, if you want to line up right over there, um, and after you're done speaking, after you're done speaking, sir, if you could fill out a speaker card and give it to Alec Longway, please. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Edward Hasbrook of 1130 Treat. I've lived on Treat since 1987. To summarize my written statement, I'm a longtime user of the public pedestrian right-of-way between Treat and 22nd Street through what's now known as the Mission Greenway. Even when this land was still in use by the railroad, it was routinely used also by pedestrians. People like me regularly walked and bicycled along the tracks, and that pedestrian right-of-way has been used uninterrupted until the construction of this new gate. There were gates at Treat and at 22nd Street, but those gates were often open, had gaps that permitted pedestrian passage even when they were closed, and were easily climbed over or around. I don't remember ever seeing a no trespassing sign or any attempt to prevent pedestrian passage except when trains were passing. The old gates didn't appear designed to keep out pedestrians. They appear to have been intended to keep people from parking cars on the tracks blocking trains in the loading dock. Any claim to a newer easement for parking vehicles or storing material after the railroad ceased to use the tracks would be subject to this prior easement. Even if ownership were established, and as you know, a quit claim is not a title deed, it would still be subject to this pre-existing constructive easement for a pedestrian right-of-way. Unfortunately, the new gate erected under this permit appears to be intended to illegally block pedestrian passage without going through the proper legal procedures to extinguish the public right-of-way. The new gate is not comparable to the old one. It has none of the prior gaps to allow pedestrian passage, and you've just heard the permit holder's counsel voluntarily tell you that they made additional changes and did additional work specifically for the purpose of blocking public access. In addition to interfering with the public right-of-way, when it's locked, this new gate creates an imminent safety hazard for all residents and tenants of the premises for which the Greenway provides an emergency escape route. No permit should be approved for such a gate, a locked gate. The Greenway provides an essential emergency exit route from workplaces and a child care center. And the permits for those structures were undoubtedly granted on the basis that the Greenway was available and would be kept open as an emergency exit route. I ask you to deny this, uh, to, to grant the appeal and deny this. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Hello, commissioners. Uh, my name is Andy Gillis, and I've been a resident of San Francisco's Mission District for the past 27 years. Uh, I'm here today to ask you to uphold the appeal of this permit. Uh, for me, this is a very simple matter. The applicants for the permit are not the owners of this parcel of land, and so it should never have been granted in the first place. And as we've discussed, a quit claim does not establish ownership 
and if ownership is based on who pays taxes, uh, Mr. Martin paid the taxes on this land this year, so that's an important consideration for you this evening, I would say. Um, I, re I realize that ownership of the land in question is not an issue that you can resolve, but I am hopeful that you will at least make a ruling in favor of the appeal. For me, the larger picture is whether the city is prepared to just give away a valuable piece of land to the people with the most money who can afford lawyers and PR firms to make their case for them. As you likely know, this piece of land has been without clear title for decades, and it still is. Also, for decades, many members of the community have made attempts to create a park or green space here in a neighborhood which has one of the lowest percentages of green space in the city. At least 2,500 people signed a petition calling for the city to resolve the ownership issue and create a park here. However, the city has mostly sat on its hands and now one single company, which moved into the area 11 months ago, uh, is now trying to take over a resource which the entire community uh, wants preserved for everyone's use. So I'd ask you to please uh, uh, uphold this appeal. Thank you. Thank you. And sir, if you could fill out the speaker card, great. Is there any further public comment from anyone in the room? Is there any public comment from someone on Zoom? Okay, Kevin Ortiz, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Good evening, uh, Board of Appeals. My name is Kevin Ortiz. I am the San Francisco Latinx Democratic Club co-president, uh, and I'm here today to speak uh, in support of Monkey Brains. Monkey Brains has been a great community partner, uh, really making sure that they're actually supporting the community. Um, they've really actually dug in deep, uh, and I have reason to believe that they're going to be a long-standing community partner for the years to come. Um, I don't condone in any way, shape, or form the, the violence that's had, had to be experienced by Monkey Brains, particularly from a lot of radical folks that do not actually live in the neighborhood, but have committed multiple property damage, that have committed you know, arson, you know, uh, spray painting, you know, property destruction, you name it, these folks have done it, and these folks do not even live in the neighborhood. These folks, like Monkey Brains has been a committed partner to working with the Latino community. They've been a committed partner on working with the American Indian community. And I'm just shocked at the fact that this has been an ongoing process for this long. I urge the Board of Appeals, stop wasting public and time on this. Um, just really go forward and, you know, make sure that we're actually able to uphold uh, Monkey Brains permit because I would actually like to see some programming that's done, that could be actually done with community instead of folks that are claiming to be part of the community. So thank you so much for your time and for um, you know your service on the commission. Thank you. Thank you. We'll now hear from Taryn. Please go ahead. Uh, hi there. I've lived in the mission for 28 years, and for most of that, I've lived within three blocks of the parcel. Um, I've believe from what I've known about this parcel from reading about it for the last several years on Mission Local that um, the current uh, permit holder has been trying to establish ownership of the right-of-way through adverse possession and allowing them to have a locked gate on either or both ends of that would be furthering their own claim that they are in control of the right-of-way, which, as the previous speaker said, should be a pedestrian pass-through, as it has been 
for you know for 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 probably for longer than this board has been around and i know that this board can't force the board of supervisors or the mayor to actually take this issue head on i would just ask that a comparison be drawn to jury commons which is off of near guerrero at 25th that is the same piece of railroad land and it was converted successfully into a park that is really similar in shape but has no gate on either end and it's a lovely park it's got a playground bicyclists and pedestrians can use it and it is not being used as a homeless encampment which is something that um allies of the permit holder have been claiming would happen if this were available for public use thank you okay thank you is there any further public comment on zoom please raise your hand okay i don't see any so we're going to move on to rebuttal mr martin you have three minutes thank you uh, may i have the overhead just briefly Overhead, please. And if you could speak into the microphone, that would be great. Thank you. I don't know if this applies, but there is a mention on the website that commercial property may be different than residential property for requiring plans. May I switch to the uh, slides again? Computer, please. Briefly to challenge the question of a, of a property tax statement. The earliest deed recorded by, or quit claim deed recorded by 17th Peralta was on October 6th. As you can see, it's the first one there. Property tax uh, bills were issued on uh, October 10th. They appeared online. So maybe the 9th, I forget, but almost immediately. And I really question whether if you're one of 16 names on this property that you received a property tax bill four days after you registered, I don't know if that's true or not, but I really challenge the lawyer to show what he is claiming exists. This is the uh, new chain link fabric, which was uh, installed on the third after they had the permit immediately and perhaps before they had initial inspection. I don't know if that was required. Those are the uh, horizontal bars, which they installed 11 days later. I just wanted to show visually what I'm talking about. And this is a photo I took when they were actually doing the work. I asked uh, if they had a building permit. They referred to exactly the same building permit. It's kind of hard to see, but it's a piece of paper that's uh, next to that green box that was taped on the green box, but has fallen to the ground. They directed that to me when I asked them what building permit they were working under. Uh, I also want to challenge the question of a civil matter. I really think that that is kind of a weird dodge and maybe not the right standard of proof. I think that if you are the property owner, you have to have clear and convincing evidence that you are the property owner and that it is not really sufficient for uh, the DBI or, and the planning department to just say, it kind of looks okay. I really would, I think that it's not a thing that should be challenged and disproved. It's the response to the burden of proof should be entirely on the person applying for the permit. And perhaps you can ask the, uh, the DBI and the uh, planning department to establish, to identify what standard proof they are asking for. I, I thank you very much for your time. And again, I apologize that some of this is coming out as criticism of the city. I also would like to criticize, of course, um, the permit holder. And, and I agree entirely with the statement that they are um, trying to seize land. Thank you. 
Thank you. We do have a question from Commissioner Trezvina. Yes. If you could, could you pull up the, uh, the document showing the property ownership that you provided? Yeah. Computer, please. Computer, please. The computer, yeah. Whoops. Nope. I think it's right after that. Uh, computer. Sorry. The, the slide. There, yeah. there, there, there it is. All right. This, is, this corresponds exactly to the second page of Exhibit D, and uh, it's the same names. It's just when I got a copy from the assessor recorder's office, it, it's a slightly different version. Okay. Um, well, maybe you can help me read this one. Um, where it says 17th and Peralta LLC, um, three columns over, it says percent 1.7888. Am I to understand that the LLC owns 1.78% of the property that we're fence, that they're fencing off? That plus the other uh, three which were recognized add up to about 15%, they're saying. That's one of the quit claims, and it happens to be the first one which they filed. And right. I, the last column, yeah. But the, the permit for this was issued, it, is it accurate to say the permit was issued to the owner of 1.78% of the property? Or possibly 15% of the property. I'm not saying that they are or not. I'm, I really, I'm suspicious that they are not, that these quick claim deeds, I have not seen what's behind them and I don't think that the permit holder actually cares much what's behind them as long as they've convinced the city. So it's not your case that they own it or don't own it? It's the amount or is... No, it's not the amount at all. Okay. I, I think that is a separate issue, but I just didn't have time to go into it. They are claiming tenancy in common and meaning they can do whatever the heck they want just as any other owner could. I, I think there's probably questions there, but I, I don't really know how to go into them. Um, again, it would be another... Yeah, I really don't know how to go so, with them. So now I'm confused as to what what the what is the deficiency that you are explaining to us. I'm saying yes, they have quick claim deeds. Yes, those got recorded. I'm saying they have not shown anything underneath that. Like this, that 1.78 percent came from a woman named Joanne B. Lake, who is yes a descendant of the Crims, but. What document did the assessor recorder's office have which the percentage came from? Was it some old uh, title research? Was it a letter from a lawyer? I don't know because the, uh, the document was unrecorded and when I asked for it, the person who was looking it up didn't know the answer either and it was a thing I would have to check back on. And that's again, I'd like to suggest that formally it might get looked into, but even if not looked into, if you're not gonna look into it, I think uh, the only safe decision is that they haven't yet proved that they own it. But isn't your beef then with the assessor's office and not with anything related to the permit? Um, it's related to the permit because I think the DBI has a responsibility to know whether or not they're issuing a permit to an owner and that insufficient evidence has been presented. A quick claim deed, I think, on the face of it, should be considered insufficient. And I am skeptical that the property tax statement he's referred to has their name on it. So I also think that would be insufficient. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I don't see any further questions. So we will now hear, you. you can be seated. Thank you, sir. We'll now hear from Mr. Ridless. Please go ahead, you have three minutes. Thank you. Um, first, I wanted to 
address President Swig's concern about a minority interest in real property. Uh, so the legal term for my, having a minority interest is a tenant in common. Um, and I won't go into the case law cited, but I would just direct you uh, to the first paragraph on page three of uh, permit holders brief which cites both uh, the law that co-tenants have the right of enjoyment of the entire estate, and then also uh, a reference to a case authority um, specifically allowing erection of a fence uh, to protect against trespassers uh, by anyone holding uh, the smallest percentage of interest as a tenant in common. Um, I'd also like to share uh, my screen and put up a document. This is uh, one of the principles of my client's declaration um, that he did in fact present the secured property tax bill uh, when he obtained the permit. Um, I have seen that bill. I'm actually holding it in my hand right now. I don't have authorization to show it. Uh, tax documents uh, are subject to privacy under the California Constitution. Uh, and my client did not want to disclose this in a public hearing. But as an officer of the court, I can tell you uh, that the tax bill for 36, Lot 36B does, in fact, uh, ref state 17th and Peralta LLC. And the date of that tax bill uh, was October 12, 2023. Um, I yield the rest of my time. Unless there are questions, I'm happy to field. Thank you. I don't see any questions at this time. So we will now hear from the planning department. Hello, thank you again, Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator. Um, I would just reiterate that it's definitely not the planning department's role or expertise in determining legal property owner matters. We definitely rely on the information we get from the assessor's office and or the tax collector's office. Um, and so that's, that's what we relied on here. I think to the point that was kind of made, we're relying on documentation um, that was recorded and document, documentation from the assessor's office that's listing the applicant as a partial owner through the actions that they took. So we, we're in a, I guess it's kind of odd that we're being asked to do more in an arena that where we have no expertise. Um, we rely on our you know, city colleagues at the assessor's office and tax collector's office to, to help us with this. And so the, the information that's been provided to us, at least the planning department's perspective, was, was deemed to be adequate for this purpose, but available for any questions you may have. Thank you. President Swig has a question. Yeah. So. Um, it was interesting, and I, I thank Mr. Trisvenia for having the, the slide brought up again with the, the, the two names, uh, final last name of Krim, and then the <clears throat> disclosure that, uh, by, that was made that, that the Monkey Brains folks, or 17th Peralta, um, acquired their share from uh, a member of that family. and. Um, yeah, what came to mind, I don't know, you don't know, unless you do know, which is part of my question. Um, for all we know, uh, the, the two crims that were listed in, with their higher levels of percentage of ownership may be dead. Um, they may be in an estate. They, they may be in a trust. Uh, therefore, really not active and really not focused on 
on the the activities around this um, this land. So I is that that is that one of the reasons that you I'm going to turn it into a question. Is that one of the reasons that you really lean heavily on the assessor's office to make those evaluations and and uh, and give you the permission or validation that um, this is an appropriate act made by one of the the property owners. In, in, in short, yes. I mean, again, this is not our expertise. It's my understanding that the that the applicant was very open about the actions they were conducting to try to track these things down and be able to get to where they were able to get to, um, and they were very upfront about that. And um, and again, I mean, I. I not an expert in this realm. I, you know, I don't know to the extent that the applicant's attorney, if you have more questions, I know that in conversations I've had with the permit holder, they detailed you know, more extensively the work they did to track these down um, and the kind of additional documentation behind the documents that are, that are here. Um, and I think that you know, they would be more um, appropriate to, to speak to that if you have questions about kind of the, the depth of that, of that work. Yeah, but much in the way, I mean, uh, what, what I'm, what's coming to mind for me is much in the way that I, I badger you on a weekly basis um, at being the professional in your area, mm -hmm. not more knowledgeable by a long shot than I will ever be about planning uh, and representing the best interests of the city in your position. Um, I, I look to you for your advice and I mm -hmm. ask you, okay, Mr. Deeg, what would you do in this case? That is that the same... Um, uh, a position that you put yourself in with the, the assessor's office. They are the experts in that area and you need to lean on them because they are the professionals in that area for their expertise and advice. Yeah, on, on absolutely. Um, yeah, we have obviously different departments here in the city that all have specific expertise, just like we lean on DBI for building safety and the fire department for fire safety. Um, we definitely lean on our assessor's office and uh, tax, tax recorder's office for, for that type of information and expertise. Thanks for that. Sure. Thank Thanks, you. Thank you. We will now hear from DBI. Uh, good evening again. Um, just to be um, clear, this is a per permit to repair an existing fence, replacing it's not a new fence blocking off the, the green, the, the use of the land. So we're not making any um, opinion or statement on what the land should be used for. We're just saying that this is a permit to replace the existing uh, fencing at a fence that's there. So um, just I also want to clarify what I was saying before that when someone applies for a building permit, we go into the database and the owner comes up. If there's something uh, inconsistent there, we'll ask for other proof. So when I say we have the databases are connected, that's what I mean by that. So I'm available for any questions you may have. If this were on any other piece of land that <laughs> were not the, the center of an alternative skirmish, would we even be thinking about questioning the the merits of this replacement or repair fence? I don't believe so. No. Right. I mean, this, this is in compliance. It's a repair. It's an existing. No new bells and whistles. No new encumbrances. No new nothings. So it's really the, the other stuff that's, that's causing us to be here tonight, correct? Uh, correct. All right, thank you. 
Thank you. No more questions. So, commissioners, this matter is submitted. Commissioners, anybody want to make a motion? Or have a, or have a discussion for that matter? Sorry. Um, um, All right, I, I, I guess right. I'll start. We can just go down the line. Um, now, when we heard this case uh, previously, when we had a fence case on this property, the issue was the ownership of the, the parcel. Um, the departments that issued the permit um, are satisfied with the, you know, the at least partial ownership of the parcel, and, and we understand that to the extent there are any issues with the decision-making on behalf of the ownership, that is a civil matter. Um, long, complicated agreements are drafted for the management of tenancies in common, and that's the reason why, is because they're complicated civil matters and not something before us. Um, so with that in mind, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to, to deny the appeal. We're in a different situation than we were before. Um, to the extent that um, there are claims of easement by the public for certain uses, it kind of flips things back around to where we were in our first case, where the um, LLC had a claim of easement, and that, again, is a civil matter that would have to be adjudicated in the courts. And, you know, I can see that happening at some point. Um, I do think that there's perhaps a reasonable compromise that demises the whole of lot 36 a b and c but that's not before us today it's simply this one permit and i don't see any reason to uphold the appeal to deny the permit any other commissioners uh commissioner lumberg sure um i i i, I agree with with commissioner epler i um you know I, i'm going to leave my, my personal feelings as to this overall dispute out of this um, ultimately, what this boils down to is the uh, a dispute over ownership. Um, and, you know, I think if, if this body were, uh, were a criminal court and uh, under a, a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt standard, I don't think we've met that standard. Is it uh, more likely than not that uh, Monkey Brains has obtained uh, proper title to this property? Yeah, it does look like it. I, I was, you know... Um, I'll admit, a little surprised uh, seeing what has happened since the last time we um, we heard a, a case regarding Parcel 36, but um, ultimately I don't see enough evidence here to grant an appeal uh, on, on any grounds, uh, and so uh, for that reason I would have to vote to deny the appeal. I just don't see sufficient evidence to present a, an, alternative, uh, an alternative reality here where... Um, where the permit holder did not have the right to uh, to obtain this permit, is there more work that could be done? Probably is, I, but I don't think we've seen enough tonight. Nor could we have. I, I, as as always, I, I think the friends of the Mission Greenway have presented their case well. I just don't think there's enough to, to grant this appeal tonight. So that's where I come out on this. Commissioner Tresvin. Yeah, I join my colleagues in in uh, denying the uh, denying the appeal. And I think we've given Mr. Martin a full opportunity to, to make to make his case. He's made it as well as he could. I do think that requiring the department to look behind documents from the other from another department, or you could we could do that on everything. We could we could say, well, a contractor who comes in, did you check and see whether they were their 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 license was was uh, revoked or suspended the week before? There is some. There is a necessity to rely upon the expertise of the various departments. 
Uh, so I think we, if we if we granted the appeal on that basis, we would be really uh, asking the department to do too much. Finally, I would say this once again calls for the other parties in this building who have responsibility over this area to really step up and, and help the community. The property owner, uh, Mr. Ortiz, described the, 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 the activities of the, uh, uh, and, 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 and the, the neighborly nature of, 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 of the permit holder. I think everybody involved deserves that level of involvement by the offices to get this entire matter resolved. It can't be resolved by this body. Uh, Commissioner Lopez, anything added? Yeah, I just want to echo uh, the the statements made by my fellow commissioners. Uh, I'm in agreement. I think it's uh, worth uh, repeating or, or noting in the record that uh, this body uh, has uh, issued a, a letter to various uh, departments and elected officials in the city uh, outlining uh, similar issues in previous matters in recognition that this body's authorities are limited and we wanted to formally uh, draw the attention of various elected and city departments into some of these very questions about uh, ownership um, and I think it uh, you know, goes back to the the truth before us that our scope in terms of jurisdiction and powers uh, is limited. Uh, we don't run the city as much as sometimes it feels like it might be a good idea in certain questions. <laughs> um, and and so, like uh, previous commissioners have stated, we just have to make decisions based on the evidence before us. And uh, I did want to echo as well that uh, the appellant's uh, case was uh, well, rep uh, well presented, uh, particularly given the, the, the continued uh, limited, you know, hard evidence that, that uh, is probably available for, for your position. Uh, but uh, we'll echo, I think, the, the direction that, that we're heading in, which is to deny the appeal. And, and on that note, I'll, I'll make a motion to do that. And on what basis is the motion made? On the basis that the permit was properly issued. Mm -hmm. Stole okay, so we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, Commissioner Trezvina? Aye. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries five to zero and the appeal is denayed. May Thank we take a 10 minute break, please? Yes, and until for 20 people minutes of eight. here for item seven, thank you for your patience. We are taking a 10 minute break. We do appreciate your patience though.
Okay, welcome back to the regular meeting of the San Francisco Board of Appeals. Today is January 10th, 2024, and we are now on item number seven. This is appeal number 23-056, Christopher Ortel versus Department of Building Inspection, Planning Department Approval. Subject property is 54 Sunview Drive. Appealing the issuance on October 31st, 2023 to Sun Ho Ao Young uh, of an alteration permit. Attached accessory dwelling unit addition uh, in the rear per ordinance number 162-16. Roof deck open space for ADU, new windows and new garage doors. This is permit number 2020-0827-2793. And we will hear from the appellant first. Welcome, you have seven minutes. Uh, hello. So um, I'm here to understand like the process on how and why this permit was approved. Um, no one has ever built out on the south end of Sunview Drive towards Portola. Um, so Sunview Drive is in the Midtown Terrace neighborhood. I would call it Midtown Terrace extension. They're mid-century modern homes, excuse me. It's about 25 homes in total on the south side of the street where um, I live at 50 Sunview, which is adjacent to 54 Sunview. Um, they're fully attached homes, and no one has ever attempted to build out towards uh, Portola Drive. So initially, um, the owner of 54 Sunview, I guess a few years ago, wanted to build a two-story extension out the back, which I objected to because it was going to throw shade and, and all these other things. So he decided to change the um, design of the project um, now it's a single-story unit, but he's pushing out, I believe, past the current property line fence. So I'm not sure if that's even legal. Um, there are several trees in the, on the slope between our property fences and Portola that are, looks like will be removed. So there's environmental concerns there. Um, disrupting the um, land. So uh, the soil is, is, I just am just really concerned about environmental issues, safety issues. We get a lot of graffiti on that section of Portola. And so based on the proposed um, plans, looks like there will be a lot easier for folks to come up the hill and tag the fences. So I'm just worried about um, safety. And then on the front side of the house, um, looks like there's gonna be two units. Um, we have, the street is very congested. There's not a lot of room, there's a lot of cars parking on the street. Um, adding another full unit to the neighborhood, I just don't think that's a good idea. It's very congested. There's a lot of children um, running around the street. It's just, I think, generally, I was just very surprised that the permit got approved. I mean, I know that folks have done um, ADUs, um, but they've kept them within the four walls of the existing building. This is the first time again that someone's pushing out and adding an actually additional structure to the back. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, it's, I think a lot of the neighbors are um, unhappy about it, um, confused about it, by it. No one else has ever attempted again to do this, to my knowledge. So there is, I believe there's gonna be a lot of pushback. I believe there's also a couple letters that were written um, from some neighbors that expressed concerns. And um, 
in the brief that um, the owner at 54 Sunview wrote, he said that I, um, I did an ADU, but that is incorrect. What I did was I built out my garage space. It's a single family home. It's not an additional unit. It's just our family home living space. So this would be the first time, I believe, that someone would have an additional unit on Sunview Drive. That's Okay, that's thank, thank you. you. Thank you, we do have a question, sir, from uh, Commissioner Trisvina for you. Hello. Thank, thank you for your testimony. You've described your issues as concerns. I'm wondering, have you raised them with the property owner and what has been the response? Say that again? You're coming to us and talking about various concerns about yeah. graffiti, about this is the first time it's been extended. Yeah. Maybe there are environmental issues or soil issues. Yeah. Have you expressed those concerns as you describe them to the property owner? I have. And what's been the response? Well, the, the initial response was he was upset when he initial, the initial design was a two-story structure, and then we had a little back and forth. This was several years ago, and he agreed to change the plans. He changed the plans, and then he was going to say, well, he wanted to put a rooftop deck on, on the extension out the back. I'm like, well, that's going to be right in my sight lines. I could be standing in my living room looking out over your deck, which is directly adjacent to my property. So this most recent design... I believe you mentioned there was a deck, but I don't think there is a deck on the most recent design that was submitted. So um, my objection is I just don't think it's great for the neighborhood. There's a lot of congestion. I mean, why does the city really need additional housing? I mean, I, I know they do, but I just don't think that Sunview Drive is the appropriate spot for an additional dwelling unit, considering the density of the area. Okay, I, I'm focused on your, your, your exchange with the property owner, yeah. and, and you've told me you, that you've talked to him, mm -hmm. and he's made some changes, yeah. but you're still not satisfied. So yeah, that, I, that well, answers my question. Yeah, well, I'm just concerned that I, I just don't understand how it got approved. It just doesn't seem like, since it's very, it's unprecedented, no one's done it. I don't know if anyone's tried to do it, and, Okay, you, you, you've answered my question. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. We will now hear from the permit holder, Mr. Young. Welcome. You have seven minutes. Hi, con uh, Commissioner. Uh, good evening and uh, Happy New Year. So, uh, I moved to San Francisco since not. Oh, actually. I'm just going to speak first. I moved to San Francisco since 1983, and I've been living in San Francisco since then. And I bought this house on 2004, and I fall in love with this house. And I told my wife, you know, I told myself that I, I want to live in Twin Peaks forever. And, by, and then I got married with kids, and my family is growing, and right now I have four uh, five people already, and we plan to extend. So that's why in 2017, I really want to build it out. And I actually consulted with this plan, uh, uh, city planner and my architect. They said I could build it. So I start paying for all the fees and trying to do it. And I tried to work with all the laborers like Chris and Bill and everybody else to get their 
uh, reply on what they need. So they didn't, I mean, Chris, only Chris replied that he, because he is my next door, he doesn't want to see me at, at all if I extend. So he doesn't want my building out, uh, the deck out, whatever, so forever. So from there, uh, I discussed with my wife, you know, we're going to be there forever. We planned it to be, so we don't want any argument or whatever. So we revised the plan, and then we took, like, uh, a floor out on the second floor, not extending, and then the bottom to extend out more because he doesn't want to see a wall. So it will be a win-win. But we revise it. He didn't like it. He said, I could see you walk out at the deck. So from there, uh, things got busy because I have a second child coming. So I put that on the side. And after my second child uh, born, me and my wife discussed again, we really have to do that. So we talked to our, our con uh, architect and also city planner and DBI. They told me that I could go to this route of building an ADU to, uh, to do this. And even though your neighbor doesn't dislike it in a way, but within the code and all the rules, if you comply it, then I could still get the permit to build it. So I proceed on it, and I tell my architect to make sure not to do a roof deck, because he doesn't like it. So we designed the whole thing without the roof deck, and then proceed. And COVID came, you know, all the DBI stuff, they are moving. It, it, it took me like three, four year, three years to do this permit. I spent so much money, and then me and my wife have to go to like marriage counseling because we, our space is just not enough to live. So from there, even though the permit wasn't out yet, we moved to a Millbrae to live there until everything is, is uh, uh, approved and then all built out and we plan to move back. And we moved, we like this place to like when we go old. That's me, how me and my wife feel. So from there, 2003, we got passed. I was so happy. And then I, you know, I go ahead and start trying to find contractor and everything to get a quote. And then after a month, and then I planted everything, got the uh, equity loan to do everything. And then from November 10th, we got this uh, up here, board up here, a letter saying that my, my permit is suspended. So from there, I, I took the time and then sent uh, Chris an email on the 10th. Actually, it's the same day. Because it uh, actually uh, said that the deck, uh, I built a roof deck and also, you know, building a new garage door and so on, which I didn't do it. I don't have that on the plan. So I, t I reached out to him, sent him an email with the flu plan, and then waited for him to call me back. And he never called me back. Two weeks after, I locked, in, locked to this door and asked him, so anything you dislike, talk to me. Let's work it out. And he told me that, you know what? I, I didn't take the time to read your plan. And he was like, well, okay. And I tried to explain to him, there's no roof deck. And he was like, well, your building is still extending. I don't want to see your building extended. And then I was like, I mean, I need the space. I mean, you did, I mean, I, first of all, I have to apologize for the ADU. 
I misunderstood. I thought he built an ADU, so that wasn't. And then, so I asked him, you built out your, your place too? And he was like, I just don't want more people to live here. I told him that, no, we are going to move back, and we, I want my sons to be here. We are just going to be here. And then he was, he was like, I just, you know, I just don't want more cars to park here. I was like, you have two garages, and you block one garage, and then to build your own space. And I, I am keeping two of the garage, and just to extend the space that I wanted, but you rejected. So I feel like really mischeated that cheated. Like uh, he has a double standard of his own opinion. So I tried to work with him a couple of times. I have email proof of, I sent him stuff and he doesn't reply to me. So yeah. Uh, and then um, from there, so probably you guys have the plan already? Yes, I gave the plans to the commissioners. Okay, so, so from there, yeah. So you could tell from, uh, can I show the preview? Overhead, Overhead. please. Yeah, from the previous plan, I have a lot of stuff, but I took everything out. Right now, it's just plain, plain. And I just want to, you know, expand, expand the space, and I, I could move on to my life. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, okay, thank okay. you. I don't see any questions at this time, so we'll hear from the planning department. Good evening again, President Swig, Commissioners, Corey Teague, Zoning Administrator. Um, again, this permit appeal before you is for a permit filed at 54 Sunview Drive. That property is in the RH1 Zoning District, and currently there is a single-family home there. The permit, as discussed, was initially filed in 2020. At that time, it was for um, a local program, ADU. Um, with the roof deck as called out. That's why the original project description calls it out that way. Over time, eventually the project was changed to a state program, ADU, and the roof deck uh, was removed. And so the plans that are in, your, in the um, applicant's brief shows the final plans that were approved. Um, so again, there's no roof deck. Um, the Building addition also is within the permitted building area on the lot, even though it's technically not required as a state ADU. Um, and there were some references to some tree removal in the rear from the appellant. Um, the only protection for trees that we have in the city are if you're a landmark tree, which are under landmark trees here, or if you're a significant tree, and then that falls under regulations under the Public Works Code. Um, but those are for trees of a certain size within 10 feet of the public right-of-way. So none of the trees are proposed to be removed or are protected um, by the city. Um, from the ADU perspective, um, we basically have three types of programs for ADUs. We have a local programs, purely local, what we've created here. There are state ADUs where the state is very specifically, if the project meets all of these thresholds, then it must be approved essentially. Um, and then we have like a hybrid program that I won't go into. It's not really relevant for this case. In this case, it's proposed to be a state ADU. Um, for state ADUs, there's no CEQA review. There is no neighborhood notification. So there's no Section 311 notice. There's no kind of discretion at the local level um, to like change the project as long as it meets all the state law requirements. And in this case, those requirements are a four-foot setback on the side and the rear, which this does 
a maximum height, since this is an attached ADU, is a maximum height of 25 feet, which this meets, and a maximum size of 1,000 square feet in this proposed um, state ADU is less than 900 square feet. So with all that, again, this is a very specific type of ADU that is essentially required to be approved under the state if it meets all of the criteria adopted under state law. It was determined that it did meet those criteria. The you know, planning department approved the permit in um, January of um, 2023, so almost a year ago. It was ultimately issued in October of this year, and we believe it was, from a planning department perspective, um, approved and issued correctly. But I'm available for any questions you may have. Thank you very much. Um, the appellant didn't provide us with a brief. I, I should have, I was negligent in not calling that to the appellant's uh, attention that that places us at a significant disadvantage, us being this panel, because we actually don't know the basis on which the appellant is, uh, the legal basis other than uh, versus an opinionated basis on why this building should be, uh, should not be expanded or built. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry I didn't uh, say that in your, after your commentary. So that, that being the case, we are at a disadvantage because we really don't know what, on we, what legal, legal precedent this, um, this appeal is being filed. So um, are there the, uh, let's, let's start with the ADU first since you ended with the ADU. Uh, the, the, the ADU, given that it is a state, uh, a state AD, uh, jurisdiction ADU, we can't touch that. Uh, as we noted, um, I think what was it on Beach Street, um, that if it's the right size, the right height, the right configuration, has the setbacks within the uh, the proper setbacks within the the um, the area that's being built, then this panel has no jurisdiction. Correct? Um, yes, that is my understanding. That is distinct from if they were using a local program we would have the same discretion we have for other permits that are before us. We, if we determined that it didn't, wasn't consistent with the residential design guidelines and needed to be you know, less tall or less deep or you know, revised in some other ways, we would have that discretion. For a state law ADU, we do not have that discretion um, as long as it's meeting all of the requirements under state law. So this, given that this, this ADU is meeting all those requirements, um, it is untouchable by this board? It's my understanding that, yeah, that the, that the department, the planning commission, the board do not have discretion to essentially modify the proposal if it's consistent with state law. Okay, so we'll put that aside. Uh, with regard to the house itself, uh, the issue of decks, uh, normally, you know, how many times have we heard this in the last month? Uh, we don't want this deck because it intrudes on my privacy and it <laughs> blocks my view, blocks my light. There are no decks anymore, so that's... That, that issue is a non-issue. Um, I, I believe you mentioned it. it does, this extension does not go into the open space, impede on the open space, and therefore doesn't require um, any variance or any special circumstances related to that. Is that true? So what I was stating is that it doesn't go into the required rear yard. Mm -hmm. um, just for clarity, it does go into the area that's currently being used as the usable open space for the existing unit, and the rest of the lot is very steeply sloping, and so that doesn't count as usable open space. But again, under state law, even if this is taking away the usable open space for the existing unit, we can't require the variance for that. We can't 
deny the permit on on those grounds. And again, the you know the applicant originally was proposing to have a roof deck uh, on top of this to to still have some usable open space. Of course, in the future, a, a deck permit could be proposed to add that back if they want. But the fact that the kind of more level, flatter kind of rear yard space that was the usable or currently is the usable open space for this for the existing single family home. The fact that that's going to be kind of taken over by the state ADU is not a factor for you know modifying or denying the permit. Okay, and so uh, and with in the context of what is being added to the house, uh, I believe you said that it it doesn't go beyond. Uh, what they could be doing. So, in fact, if they wanted, if this, if this addition, uh, the request for this addition and the permit uh, wanted to add more square footage, in fact, they could have done that, and th that, and this could be even a, a, a larger e expansion. Yeah. So, if this was just an expansion of the single-family home, for example, and not a state ADU. The proposed building envelope that's being proposed would be co-compliant. Okay. So in this case, um, are there any are there any non-compliant aspects of this uh, uh, related to this permit? Are there are there any things that require a special variance or any other special treatment with regard to uh, planning's issuance of this permit? No, in this case, because it's a state ADU, we have to review it under the parameters of state law, and it meets all of those parameters, and so we are required to approve that. Thank you very much. Commissioner Lemberg. Thank you, Mr. Teague. I just have a quick question that came up for me, um, just because this hasn't come up for us before, uh, which is the uh, transition from a, that local ADU program you're talking about to the state ADU program. Mm -hmm. How does that sort of transition happen slash work? So for, in terms of a transition, it was just a change of, it's a revision to the permit um, and an, an identification that the, you know, you're taking advantage of that provision. Because we also have it codified. Most of those provisions are codified in our local planning code as well. Okay. Are, are there any notable differences between, you know, the requirements for one versus the other? Yes. I mean, the local, the local program, again, we have discretion. Um, we also have specific requirements that we put on our local ADUs. We require that they be rent controlled, that they can't be used for short-term rental, they can't be um, condoed out, they can't be separated for separate ownership, et cetera. Under state law, those don't apply. Under state law, is simply if you meet these definitions and you meet these criteria, again, the setbacks, the height, um, the size, then it's, the city is required to approve that permit. You said that uh, this, under the state law they can't require that it's uh, under rent control? That's interesting. Okay. Just well, we, we, my, yeah, the state law pocket. doesn't mandate that for the unit, right? Um, right, because it's not mandatory on the state law. Right, but whereas our local program, we do mandate that that ADU, if it, when it's created under the local program, will be subject to um, rent control. Interesting. Thank you. That's sure. all I've got. President Swig, anything further? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay, thank you. No further up. questions. Sorry. We'll now hear from DBI. Uh, good evening again, Commissioners. Matthew Green representing DBI. Um, I don't have much to add here. This building permit for an ADU was filed in August of 2020. 
after review by all the necessary uh, city agencies. It was approved in June of 2023 and finally issued on October 31st of 2023. Uh, we believe the uh, permit application um, was re reviewed and approved properly. I believe this is a code compliant project and uh, DBI recommends that you deny the appeal and uphold the permit. I'm available for any questions you may have. Um, same question, same background. Uh, appellant didn't provide any specifics on what might be illegal or what might not be compliant. Uh, can you please, uh, would you please affirm to us that this is code compliant? There aren't any, um, any special requirements or any special things that wouldn't be out of the norm? Yes, it's code compliant. Uh, the appellant did mention that it went over the property line in his testimony. That, that's not accurate. It's set back four feet on the sides and 29 and a half in the back. So it does not cross the property line. Thank you very much. Okay, thank, thank you. you. No further questions. Uh, we will now turn to public comment. Is anyone here to provide public comment on this matter? Okay, please approach. Good evening. Uh, my name is Phil Ackland. I live at 55 Sunview. I live across the street, actually, from both Sunny and uh, Chris. So I don't really, I have a good relationship with both of them. But I am a little bit concerned about the precedent we're setting by extending out onto the Portola block. I, I, <clears throat> I understand from the previous testimony, I think we're all, it, it's compliant. But I am concerned about the safety factors, as well as the potential increase in uh, occupancy in the neighborhood and so I just wanted to voice my concerns around uh, around this addition and the potential impact it would have on the neighborhood. Hey, thank you. Can you please fill out a speaker card? Yes. And then give it to Alec. Thank you. Is there any further public comment on Zoom? I don't see any further public comments, so we are going to move on to rebuttal. Mr. Ortel, you have three minutes. I guess I'm confused about, so the state is the one that's ma is mandating that this project can be built. The city has no say on what's going on. That's, is that what I'm understanding? Um, is there any yard requirements that need to be fulfilled? I mean, so pretty much anybody can just fill up their entire backyard space with, with an ADU with no access to a yard. I mean, I know I said that the, um, the unit is going to extend over the the property fence, but I guess technically the property line goes all the way down to the sidewalk on Portola. But there are currently fences along the whole side of the street that are kind of defined, right? So based on the drawings, it looks like he's pushing beyond that, and it sounds like that's acceptable. It just seems bizarre to me um, that now you're setting the precedent where everyone can then now build out extensions out towards Portola. And if you know anything about the area, it's just gonna, I just visually just, it's, I don't understand it. I was always told that we weren't allowed to push out our houses towards Portola. I guess I was wrong. Um, and then I guess I'd finally say, as Phil mentioned, just the congestion on Sunview. So is this unit going to be, does the owner have to live there? Can they rent out the units? 
those are just questions I have because now we're going to have more neighbors, more cars. The owner, I don't know if this matters, but the owner doesn't currently live there. He never liked the neighborhood. He told me before he didn't like the graffiti. His sons um, go to school in a different school district. So I'm just concerned that he's just taking advantage of this law where he can just build an income property. And I just don't think that's great for Sunview Drive, for the neighborhood, and for the city. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Lenaher from Mr. Young. You have three minutes. Overhead, please. Yeah. As you could see, uh, I could... If you could speak into the oh, microphone. I could please. understand Bill's concern on the safety if I'm building out in my, you know, a track like graffiti or people jumping fences or so on to the houses. But you, as you could see, number two, and uh, actually their fences is really low. And also, if there's people want to break in on 996, they could break in also. Their fence is only six feet high from the street. And if you see it from the side, that's number two, uh, Sunview Circle. Um, uh, it's uh, Sunview Drive, and that's the other building. And uh, I really care about this neighborhood. I really like it. And uh, as I was saying, I have to leave, I mean, move to somewhere because first of all, the house is not big enough. My family is growing. And but at the pandemic time, there's people doing rally on their motorcycle every day. And we people are smoking weed every day from uh, their skateboarding down from uh, Twin Peaks. So I told... You know, I told him that, you know, and, and at the same time, as I was telling you, I'm really stressed. I'm seeing psychiatrists, I mean, a family therapy and all that because of it. So we really have to move out to get some air until this we solve and move back. And this really costing me a lot of money just for this to actually extend. It cost me almost 80000 already. Because of this, we have to start the job at April right now. Instead of finishing this, uh, uh, the foundation in, uh, uh, before December, uh, end of December. So right now, everything has been pushing out. I am paying like a lot of interest rate. And then, yeah, so I'm, like I said, I really like the neighborhood. I, I am keeping the house. I always want my leave my house when I pass away and my kids could live once, you know, one for each, you know, that's a Chinese legacy, you know? Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Anything further from the planning department? One thing, one oh, okay. So out of uh, the last two years, every time I see graffiti uh, on the back of the house on the fence, I will call these owners to repaint it. 30 seconds. Okay. Okay, thank Just you. Just let you know. Thank you. All right, thank you again. Uh, yeah, just a few things, just in response. Um, again, this, the proposal is to add one new unit, um, just one additional unit. Um, and you know, I'm happy to speak with the appellant more after the hearing and, and going forward to provide more kind of information and resources about kind of what can and can't be done. But there's been a good bit of press over the last several years. The state's passed a lot of laws 
about around housing production um, that creates a lot of mandates for cities in the state. Um, ADU laws being one of those. Um, and basically how this is proposed is exactly the intent of how the state law is intended to apply. Um, and you know, this is an attached ADU, so it's literally like an addition to the existing building. It could be a detached ADU, so it could be within the required rear yard. And again, as long as it met all the requirements for height and setbacks and size, then we would be mandated to um, approve that. Um, and then even, we touched on this a little bit, but even just looking at the building envelope that's being proposed in the addition, even if it wasn't an ADU, again, it would be some amount of addition would still be permitted there under the code and the residential design guidelines. It's true, like a lot of blocks in the city, there's a pretty steady pattern um, on some view in terms of the original homes being built probably in the 50s and not really have been expanded in the rear over that time. But that doesn't mean that none buildings can expand either vertically or horizontally over time. It just means the residential design guidelines would say you have to do that in a contextual way. So even if this wasn't a state law ADU, some amount of building expansion would be permitted here on this site. So I just wanted to make those points clear, but mainly to reiterate that that yes, I mean, very much this is a an ADU that is essentially mandated by the state for us to approve if it meets all the required criteria, which it does. So I'm available for any additional questions you may have. Thank you. I don't see any questions. Nothing further from DBI, so commissioners, this matter is submitted. Let's start at the other end this time. Uh, Commissioner Lopez, you want to get started? Sure, thank you. Uh, I guess... You know, I think for the benefit of of the parties, I would just summarize that uh, essentially the state's housing crisis is uh, serious enough to the point that our state legislature passed this long, among others, to say you can build, you can build these, um, and it's an effort to be able to house more people, um, and so that's that's the short version, um, and. Uh, this body, uh, the planning departments, other city agencies and departments, various um, discretionary reviews are not allowed as long as uh, structures like this are up to code. And uh, we have evidence and testimony that says that, that it is up to code. And so that's, uh, you know, I guess my, you know, uh, just one one guy's summary of of, of the landscape, and uh, with that in mind, uh, I'd be inclined to uh, deny the appeal on the basis that it was properly issued. Okay, Commissioner Trosvenier. I don't find any basis to grant an appeal here, and I'm not having read or having heard the um, the appellant. I'm not even sure whether. He has stated a ground or knows of a ground. He has questions. And while I, while I, 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 it's important that people understand what the local laws and the state laws are, I think the summary that provided, provided by Commissioner Lopez doesn't go far enough. Because I don't hear anything in this testimony or in the record that suggests that, well, 
this is a bad uh, development, this is a bad ADU, but we're stuck with it because the state won't let us do what we need to do, which would be to, uh, to disapprove it. It sounds like it is compliant. And it also sounds from the record that Mr. Young has reached out to uh, the, the appellant, made changes over a period of time, the exact thing that we, that we asked for. Mr. Hurdle comes, or Ordle comes and files a, an appeal, which is costly. It delays. And I don't, I'm not putting the blame on him. There needs to be a way so that people understand and have their legitimate questions answered about state law, about local law, so that they don't, they don't have to come here and take up our time and expense, take up the department's time and expense, take up the, the, the builders, uh, the, uh, the homeowners' time and expense. This is costly stuff. And I believe, given that there was already some back and forth between the two neighbors and accommodations made by, by the property owner, that with further help, either from the city on their websites or from perhaps the supervisors or mayor's offices to, uh, of community and neighborhood services to be able to explain to people, this is the current situation, this is what's required, this is what's desirable, so that we don't have to have, and, and most of all, the property owner doesn't need to have to be delayed, be at an expense. Uh, so um, whether it's under state law or whether it's under local law, I, I would uh, uphold the granting of the uh, of the of the uh, uh, and the issuance uh, of the permit and and deny the appeal. Commissioner Lambert, uh, I, I I certainly agree with the outcome of the case and, and will be voting to deny this appeal. Um, I, I'm I'm less adamant about the. Um, I'm less adamant about the ability of, or, or even commenting on the ability of members of the public to uh, file appeals, even if their only goal is to, uh, is to learn more about how laws and the city and their government works. I certainly have no personal, uh, I, I certainly have no personal opposition to uh, hearing appeals that even may have no basis for appeal um, with, the, uh, with the note that of course it does actually uh, Create additional costs and expenses for the for the permit holder in this case, but um, and and I, I certainly don't want to you know encourage uh, filing <laughs> filing appeals without uh, without a lot of legal basis. But at the same time, I, I, I hear loud and clear what Commissioner Trasvenia said about uh, the necessity of um, you know further public education and outreach, especially because there does seem to be an ever increasing number of laws like this that circumvent uh, local government authority um, in, uh, in particularly in regard to housing uh, but in other areas as well um, that I think you know it's it, the landscape is changing so quickly that it is hard for p the general public to to keep up with it and in fact it's hard even for us who hear permit related appeals all the time to keep up with it all because it is changing so quickly uh, and in googling you know this particular one I came up with new laws that I hadn't even heard about yet that were you know not related to this appeal but also uh, you know 
it, similar sorts of laws that I, I wasn't even aware of yet. So um, I, I definitely second what Commissioner Trasvenia said regarding the need for public uh, education and outreach. I think even affirmative outreach on these sorts of issues because if there's a lot, it's confusing, it's progressing all the time. Uh, I think we as a body do our best to uh, to educate the public, as do uh, members of the city department who, uh, who represent the city uh, at our hearings as well. And I, I um, you know, I, I think we all, all try our best with this, but ultimately I don't think this body is the best uh, venue for that. Uh, and I think there's a lot of other, a, a lot that a lot of other, um, governmental agencies, uh, particularly the state, but, uh, you know, the city as well, because ultimately who's implementing these laws uh, could do to uh, to increase public understanding and awareness. So, uh, but all that said, I, I do have to vote to deny the appeal. Um, I would echo everything that my fellow commissioners have said. Um, I would like to uh, also say that, um, you know, education is important. Whatever sort of summary, easy to understand materials that the departments can provide to explain new policies as they become enacted is, is certainly useful. But I will also tell the public that to the extent that they have these questions, um, I have often found, uh, neighbors in my, my neighborhood have often found that the planning department in particular is incredibly open to conversations about projects and explaining. And I know that individual planners are always readily accessible. Uh, certainly the zoning administrator has made himself very accessible to members of the public to help explain uh, what's going on with a particular project and how it is affected by state laws and other changes even in our local law. And so I do think that while we do need better, kind of like a better library of information of easily digestible understanding for some of these complicated laws, I do want to commend the department for its general openness to explain to members of the public what the heck is going on when they get that notice in the mail or they see that permit get drawn. So I want to thank them for that. Would you like to make a motion? Um, did, did you make a motion, Commissioner Lopez? Or I, it, sounded like, it sounded like a motion when you said it. Yeah, I'm going to call it a motion now. Okay, so we have a motion from Vice President Lopez to deny the appeal and uphold the permit on the basis that it was properly issued. On that motion, Commissioner Trezvina? Yes. Commissioner Lemberg? Aye. Commissioner Epler? Keep this Aye. President Swig? Aye. So that motion carries 5-0 to zero and the appeal is denied. And that concludes the hearing.